E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Let's go. It is a Friday. Welcome in, everybody. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. That is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Hope you guys are doing well. What's up, Mr. Taz, Adams, Exploits, Eagles fans, Tyler, the first to jump in. We appreciate you in the chat. Gunner, what's up, my man? How you doing? How you doing, brother? I'm great. I am great, man. I get to be hanging out with you for three hours. How could I be any better? You, you know what? I know you say it facetiously, I but I agree with you. I'm just kidding. Hey, man, last night, you know how it was. So yesterday, well, today is officially my oldest daughter husband's birthday. But last night, they had, we had to cook out at his house. And he was out there. He was doing bur double burger patties, all this. And, and then his uncle, who lives next door to him, brought uh, incredible shrimp and uh, wings from this uh, seafood place down there nice. where they live. Nice. And, dude, it was like, so we ate first. And then it was probably like 7 o'clock before we hit the pool. They have a beautiful in-ground pool. Yeah. Dude, let me tell you, the water was perfect. Yes. To take the nest tea plunge. <laughs> he, he has that's this a, like that's a good ball. evening, man. That is a good Dude, evening right there. He, he, he has this floating ball, and you just throw it on the water surface to get the water temperature. The oh, water you can, you can, can you raise it and, and uh, you know, turn it down too, lower it as well? No, no, no. It's just about, it tells you what the, the water temperature oh, is. Oh, it's like a thermostat. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Like a thermostat. The water temperature was 89 degrees. It didn't even feel like it. It was perfect, dude. That's the way I course, like it. I'm with you. I like, like oh, bath dude. water, man. <laughs> That's what? good for me. I like it like bath water. I'm telling you, man. I, I, see, I see, I thought I was the only one like that. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, we went to Myrtle Beach in June to see my brother perform um, at Legends in concert. He did, he did Bob Marley tribute. Right. So, of course, we hit the Myrtle Beach uh, beaches there. You know how hot it is when you oh, get to the south. Woo. And, you know, I'm thinking the water's going to be like here. You know, you got to step in and, and gradually. Yeah, yeah. Do you walk? It was like bath, bath water. The ocean was like bath water, but it was like 95 degrees. But the water was perfect. Yes. For me. Yep. I, I, I thought I was the only crazy guy to like warmer water like that. I'm the same way, man. I, I don't I don't want to have to take 15 minutes to get in there because it's so cold. Like your, your legs are getting numb. I'm not. That's, that's not my kind yeah. of scene. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's a, of, course, it's a, of course, you get in the water and the grandkids want you to hold them. So it's not like you can just get in there and, and, yeah. and holding one and then the other wants to show you that, the, you know, with the floaties, they're trying to swim. The two-year-old, I'm swimming. I'm swimming. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway. And then the baby wants you to hold And I'm like, but it was perfect. I have no complaints. It was perfect. Good, man. Good, man. What's up, Thomas? What's up, William? What's up, Tyler? Mr. Taz, Jim G, Fitness Rebel, uh, Kevin. Father Sean, what's up, Eagles fan? Hope you guys are doing good. Yeah, I, I, that was the weird thing for me about California. It was beautiful. The beaches were beautiful. The water was beautiful. The water was freezing yes. in California, and it doesn't yes. get. And, and this is a, this is good in general that it doesn't get like super muggy and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I wanted it a little bit warmer on the beach. Like you needed almost like a, I don't know, like one of those like sort of long sleeve dry fits. It was that. It was kind of windy and chilly. I'm like, I want this. I like to be a little hotter. I want to go in the ocean, but. And nobody's yeah. in the ocean. This uh, Pacific is always colder than the Atlantic. Yeah. And um, in San Diego, even in June, July, and August, the water's colder. Now, yeah. once you get to July and August in San Diego, when you go to Mission Beach and places like that, La Jolla, um, it takes you a little while. Once you get in the water and get past that initial chill, the water's fine, but it's, it hits you right away, man. Yeah. You know, but it, but, 
people who go out there surfboarding in March and April, like up in San Francisco, uh, no, 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 no. No. <laughs> you better have your wetsuit on if you're doing that kind of stuff, you know? You know, Marina Sands brings up a good point. I had never heard this before. Um, I saw this on a, um, a news report last week. You, you know, uh, the water in Florida, hit uh, the Keys hit 100 degrees. Can you imagine Ooh. the Atlantic Ocean 100 degrees? Yes, they're saying the water t- surface temperature is hotter than it's been in decades. And I'm like, okay, that's a little too warm. I'm yeah, I'm not, ta- I'm not talking 100. No, no, no thank yeah. you. No, no. No. no I'm good. The, I'm the good water off Miami, Adam's exploits, 90s. Yep, it was 90s to 100. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that is good. That, that's too much. You're right. That is a little bit too much. But Friday here, uh, we're going to get a break actually Sunday, Derek. It's it's going to be like yep. 83, something like that. So uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because this is this is hot. And we, like we talked about yesterday, all the folks who got to work outside, man, pets. Yeah, oh, my goodness. It's tough, man. Uh, what, so. what, why, is, why is Mr. Taz trying to stir up trouble? I think he, he wrote this just for you, Rob. You see what Mr. <laughs> Taz just wrote? <laughs> the Eagles have extended special teams coordinator for a 20-year 600. Yeah, that's about right. That, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, interesting day today because you had you had a bunch of folks speaking at Eagles practice, Sean Desai among them. Yeah. So um, I, I'll get to him in a minute. What I, what I thought was really interesting is Darius Slay – talk to the people a little bit, talk to the media a little bit earlier. And they asked him about Matt Patricia. And he said, the Eagles reached out to him because they were thinking about bringing, bringing Patricia on. He told them he was good. He said he and Patricia had a one-on-one conversation. Man to man is is the way he put it. He said, it was a great conversation. They're both on the same page. They both want to win. And nobody's looking back. Very. I was talking to tone about this before the show. Like, Slay is not a guy who's up there looking to give you some polished yearbook answer. He's going to give you what he what he feels. So when he says it, I buy it. So that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was handled well all around. The Eagles reached out to him. They didn't just surprise him with it. Hey, you cool with this? Blah, blah, blah. And all good. So that that's a very mature team thinking way to go about things, I think. Or more importantly, they didn't force it on him. They didn't go yeah. to him and say, hey, look, this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, are you okay with it? If not, then we, we might have to try to move you. No. They, you know, they did they handle it like professionals, and that's what you do. And players respect that. Yeah, See, I agree. That's that respect that is constant in that Eagles organization in that locker room. Yeah. You know what? We treat you like men. You know, and you can't say that about every organization. Mm-hmm. You know, some organizations still has players have to buy their own socks and stuff. You know, <laughs> you have to pay for your own meals. You know, yeah. on, on the compound. I was like, what? <laughs> that no, is no, the no. way. Yeah, that was the way it was before Jeffrey Lurie. Norman Brayman made those guys pay, guys pay for socks. It's, no, no. I'm no. telling you, it, it's it that it's crazy, but that is the way it used to ask Seth and, and, and some of those guys. It's crazy. Um, so I thought that was good. A couple a couple other things before I get to the side. So I'm good with this. Some people may may not like this, but I like this. Jalen Carter said his goal is to be the defensive rookie of the year. Good. Good. Set it high, man. Let's go. Like good. that's that's where I'm at. I, I want him. I don't want him to just say, hey, maybe I'll get a couple snaps or maybe – no. You know what? Good. Let's go dominate. You know, as long as he doesn't come out and say something like, I feel I'm the best defensive player coming out of this class, period. He didn't stuff say like that. that. He didn't say no, that. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Long, mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with having lofty goals. And if you achieve that goal, dude, you can walk on water in the city of Philadelphia. Yep. You know, if yeah. you can back up – if you and obviously there's a lot of variables involved, Um, you know, in terms of snaps, production, things like that. But still, if, if you can back up what you make when you make a statement like that, Philadelphians love to hear stuff like that. Same That's here. what they want to hear. 
Yep. You know, this is a this is a straight blue collar town. Roll up your sleeves, put your hand in the dirt. You know, work hard, get your own rewards. You work hard, we respect you type town. This is exactly what they want to hear. Yep. Amen. I thought that was good. All right, a couple things from Desai. One of the things I thought was really encouraging is he mentioned how impressed he was with Jordan Davis's physical condition and the okay. way that he reported. So he came in ready to roll. Of course, that's one of the biggest questions with him is, is he going to be, you know, look, and you're talking about a big man out there working in this heat. So yep. I'm glad to hear the, the reported in shape because this is, I almost feel like that's half the battle for him. If he's ready to go physically and can, can withstand all those snaps, you know, the sky's the limit here with Jordan Davis. I think his biggest motivation had to be, Number one, he missed significant time last year. He, he he missed a couple of stints, one with an ankle, one with a concussion. Number two, he was a non-factor in that Super Bowl. And I think that has – I would think that would be his biggest motivation. Look, I was the 13th player overall taken last year. I didn't live up to expectations. Coming from the, one of the premier uh, programs in all of college football, coming off a national championship, you know, there was high expectations of me. I have high expectations of myself now to go out and prove it. I would like to know how much weight did he lose? How how I mean I I like no you know he was at three forty. Is he three thirty? Is he is he below three thirty? You know is he faster? You know uh, does he seem to be quicker off the snap? You know we're gonna hear those reports eventually, uh, but that I, I would like to have heard Desai say some of those things as well. Same, uh, you know, and Kevin Savard mentions Fletcher Cox big influence. Yeah, Fletcher Cox talked about this. And he said, basically, look, I, I really want to mentor these guys. I want to be a good leader for them. You know, they're 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 basically the guys of the future here. But, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why you bring him back. And I know people think they may have overpaid a little bit for him, 10 million, whatever it was. But I, I think you needed some veterans, especially inside there, um, the interior, just just from a playing standpoint. But also, you know, the, the wisdom that he and, and Brandon Graham and those guys can can impart and pass down. Because you are young in a lot of spots. Yeah, you know, Jordan Davis, Carter, and Nolan Smith are all going to be asked to, and Nicobe Dean are all going to be asked to do stuff, and they're very young players. So, you know, it's big if those guys are willing to take on that kind of role. Because look, not everybody is. Some guys just out for themselves, and that you know, it's just the, the way their personality is. But it's good to I, hear from Fletcher. I can remember seven, eight years ago when a lot of the pre, uh, veteran presidents in that locker room would say, "You know, I'm not a verbal person. I lead by example." And I would always say, you know, you got to have a few guys who are not afraid to get in people's faces, especially if you're a highly decorated player, pro bowler, individual accolades, you know, not afraid to get into people's faces and, and call them out if they're not living up to standard. This is a role that Fletcher grew into. He was one of those players who wanted to lead by example. Mm -hmm. But I think at this stage of his career, especially coming off a second Super Bowl that did not end in a win. Fletcher can see he's almost at the end of the finish line of his career and wants that one more chance at glory in the sun. So now he's become more of a verbal leader, more of a mentor. Okay. Yeah. And it's understandable because he can look around and see, we've got a good young nucleus here to go with the veteran presence. Mm -hmm. And if I can help any way, shape or form that these guys get up to speed, so be it. Fletcher's like Brandon, Cox, uh, Brandon Graham hasn't come out and said it, but he's securing his, his status with this team. Even if his snaps are reduced, he's made his money. He has a ring. Now it's for one more moment of glory in the sun. So good for him for taking that upon himself uh, to become that mentor to the younger guys and to get them up to speed as quick as possible. Yeah. Uh, around the NFL, the last of the uh, well, the first the, uh, of the draft picks are signed. 
Number five overall, Devin Witherspoon. Uh, who, who, so that's all of this, all of last season's 259 draft picks are now signed. He reached an agreement with the Seahawks today, four years, 31.86 million, 20.17 uh, million signing bonus. So he'll be in Seahawks camp. He was the only guy left. So everybody else is locked down, locked and loaded. Th- this is one of the things that is way better about the NFL now than it was back in the day. Yep. With the way this thing is slotted, yep. you don't have these rookies, you know, who you're unable to reach an agreement with. It hurts everybody. It hurts the team. It hurts the rookie. He's coming in right before the season or into the season, and he's behind everybody. None yep. of that stuff exists no. anymore. That's so much better that way. You know, I would imagine, and people might say, well, why is Witherspoon still holding out if the money's slotted? I would imagine they were going back and forth on the guaranteed money more than anything else. That's exactly you know, right. The number is already slotted. That's not going to change. But how much money are you guaranteeing my client? So, you know, the fact that he's probably missed a couple of days of training camp, he'll catch up. Will he start? Yeah, that's on him. And how quickly he can adapt to this level and the concepts they're asking him uh, to perform. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Did, did you see what uh... – Micah Parsons had to say. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was on 1053, the fan in Dallas. He said he believes the Cowboys are the top team over the Eagles and the 49ers. He said, quote, you look at our game last year. That's a game that we could have won. We beat ourselves with mistakes. He's talking about how they got eliminated. Um, I think we're the only team that gained players. We didn't lose a former Eagle and now 49er defensive tackle. Javon Hargrave, and then draft somebody. We have everybody across the board. When you talked uh, about years playing together, years of experience, I think we're up there as the better team. All right. Okay. I mean, I'm not shocked. Nobody should be surprised. He's an outspoken guy, but okay. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Go out, go out and prove it now. I mean, if you think about it, they were eliminated by the 49ers in the playoffs. They could have won that game, except for some bonehead calls, mate. A few boneheaded calls. They could have won that game. Sure. It, it could have been, it could have been Dallas. But you know what? The bottom line is you didn't win. Yes. Plain and simple. You didn't win. So, you know, you're right. They basically have the same nucleus of players coming back, plus they've added Brandon Cook, Stefan Gilmore. Now you've got to go out and do it. I guarantee you. When it gets to the Eagles-Cowboys week, that's going to be brought up again, especially depending on what the records are. Yes. Yeah. You I know think it's, that, that you know it'll be coming. revisited. That's for sure. You know it's coming. Yeah. You know. And so I can't wait. Good. Good bulletin board. We're sitting here in late July. We already got good bulletin board material for the Cowboys-Eagles. Amen. I love it. Amen. I do, too. Uh, all right. Beyond that, Gunner, a um, couple other things. Injuries around the NFL. And we'll get more into this later. But Jalen Ramsey, torn meniscus, he will miss the start of the season, but they're thinking four to six weeks, somewhere around there. If that's Look, if this ends up just being he misses two, three games, they got to be thrilled, you know, with that development, right? So that's the first part. The other one, I don't know what to make of it. Like, the longer we don't hear anything, the longer I wonder about it. But Joe Burrow leaves practice yesterday. He's rolling to his right, non-contact, goes down grabbing the leg. He already had a sleeve, like a brace on the lower leg anyway. Yep. Carted off. It's a calf, but we haven't heard any kind of real updates. I will say this. The Bengals Twitter account uh, put something out there, which makes me think it's maybe not super serious or else they wouldn't have been joking about this. I don't know if you saw this. So this is about two hours ago. They tweeted out. It was pretty funny. Everyone, please stop calling and offer us offering us your calf muscles. It doesn't work like that. Joey will be back. So I, I don't – that tells me maybe it's not that serious if they're joking. 
I yeah. don't know, but we haven't heard anything yet. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. I saw that uh, one of the uh, national reporters got a quote from an anonymous coach who said, I hate the first two weeks of training camp. And basically, basically, you know, because of the limitations of, of practice times, it takes the body that much lo- longer to shock itself back into playing shape, which means players are more susceptible. You get out there the first day of training camp and you, you're, at, you're asking your body to cut on a dime the way you would in mid- midseason and your body's not woken up yet. You know, and you get these tendon injuries, you get these calf injuries, you get these knee injuries, so on and so forth. That's why the volume of injuries across the board in training camps leading into the early part of regular seasons continue to rise. The percentage continues to rise because you're not able to do with your body what you did before this new collective bargaining agreement. So a lot of coaches around the league hold their breath. They hold their collective breath. Please. Do not let one of my primetime players they, they don't want any player to go down. It's, but but especially a frontline player. Yeah. You know, it's That's tough. It. it changes everything can change in a second. Everything. Your entire season can change, can flip on a dime in, in, in one second. But yeah, crazy. So we'll keep you posted on that. Phillies uh are at the Pirates for a three-game set starting tonight. We'll talk to Scott Lauber a little bit later. Uh, we also have the trade deadline looming. It's August 1st, uh, so it's it's coming quick, Derek. We, we are getting close here as we're July 28th. Um, so that's coming up, and uh, we'll see if they can get back on track tonight. But uh, the pitching matchup's set up pretty nicely for them. You go Wheeler, Nola, and then Suarez – or Sanchez, excuse me, in this series. So that's what they have coming up. All right, Eagles Wheeler, question. Wheeler and Noah and Nola should dominate the Pirates. They should. They should. They, should. they should dominate the Pirates. Yep. Um, when you look at where the Pirates are statistically, you know they're they're one of the lower lower teams in the majors across the board. You know when it comes to home runs, RBIs, batting average. You know we talked about how Milwaukee had the worst batting average in the National League. Yet Milwaukee has one of the best pitching staffs, and that's why they're where they're where they are. Mm-hmm. The Pirates continue to send out a bunch of kids, and and the borderline good players they have every year, they trade them off to somewhere else. Pirates, you know, Pirates were up there. They were talking base, baseball in May. They were leading the division. Now they're yeah, right they had a great start. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now they're right where everybody expected them to be at mm-hmm. the bottom of the barrel in their division. So yeah. there's no way that that when you talk about Wheeler and Noah, that they shouldn't go out and at least have great weekends against this particular team. Mm-hmm. I agree. I th- this is where this is where you got to get out of those bad habits and those bad trends of playing down to the level of the competition. This is this is where you have to start to show that you are that team, the team that's going to separate itself a little bit and handle yeah. your business against the bad teams, like plain and simple. Um, all right, Eagles question. You ready? No. No, you're not ready? All right. No, I'm uh, ready. ready or not, here, here we come. Uh, all right, here's the question. Which defensive player – who's unknown. Now I use the word unknown in quotes. Okay. The unknown part is basically first year guy, second year guy who didn't get a lot of playing time last year. You know, examples would be the obvious, the Kobe Dean, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, Reed Blankenship at all. Okay. Any of those guys of those of that group, which player will have the biggest impact this season in your estimation? Will have the biggest season, biggest season. Yeah. Um, I would have to say it's Jalen Carter. Uh, you know, we're only a couple of days in the training camp, and all we've heard about is how he gets off the ball. He would have had a couple of sacks in two seconds um, had he been allowed to attack the quarterback. 
Then he comes out and says he wants to win, you know, rookie defensive rookie of the year. I think he's the most intriguing out of all of these because of all the hype surrounding him coming in. Um, so I would have to say, plus he's got a big hole to fill in Javon Hargrave. And the Eagles moved up to take him. They moved up a couple of spots to get him at a number nine hole. So I think because of all the accolades that were bestowed upon him uh, coming into the draft, the Eagles getting him, uh, the hype, and, and, and let's just face it, the hype is going to continue every day in training camp. He's going to be a name mentioned just about every day in training camp, especially when they start playing against other teams and mm-hmm. uh, in the practice sessions leading up to a preseason game. I think the hype for him is bigger than any other of those players that you put in that category. I would I would agree with you with Jalen Carter. I think he's going to have the biggest impact. I think he's going to be uh, – I think we're going to look at him going into next year and say this guy's got the potential to be a pro bowler after this season. He's got a really good shot at defensive rookie of the year. I think his goals are proper. I would say, I would say Carter, uh, I would say in terms of the guy who's going to surprise us the most, I don't know if he can be a surprise because he was the first round pick, but I think Nolan Smith will make it a real impact this year. I agree. I think he's going to, you know, be not just an afterthought in that rotation on that defensive line. I think he's going to be a guy who, who really contributes. Um, So I think we're going to come away from this season saying the Eagles killed it in the first round of the draft, getting these two guys. Who better for Nolan Smith to learn under than Hassan Reddick, who's had double-digit uh, double sacks with three consecutive teams in consecutive years. Yeah. In terms of do, learning all the little tricks, the little nuances to get advantage of an offensive tackle or, or, or a tight end lined up over you, um, he's got the best mentor he could possibly have in a situation like this. Um and I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think we're going to look back. And, and, and I think also, Rob, it, it can't just be based on numbers. Yeah, It's based on presence, ability. You know, I think there's one stat that's overlooked is pressures on a quarterback. Because when you get good, consistent pressure, you're forcing a quarterback to do certain things he wants to do before that mechanism kicks in to get rid of the football. If you can um, speed up his his mental clock in terms of uh, timing routes, um, just just when things click for him, that's almost as good as getting a sack. Mm-hmm. I know people people love to see the sack totals and stuff like that, but pressures have become. Uh, vital strategy in the, NFL, in the NFL game today with this being such a passing league. And then we saw that the Eagles did get 70 sacks. But look at how many times they forced quarterbacks <clears throat> to get rid of a football and move their feet a lot more than they wanted to just because a quarterback knew pressure's coming from somewhere. Yeah, you no, you, listen, you're right. And it's all the more – it's always important, but it's all the more essential this year because you do have some question marks on the back end. You don't know about your safeties right now. Uh, and, and a pass rush can really – you know, cover up some things uh, early. And that's where I think that's where I think early, we talked about this a lot yesterday, Derek, but I don't think the defense is going to come out of the gate as strong as they're going to be later, but I still think they can rush the passer and that could really cover up some things while guys get accustomed to the NFL level or get accustomed to this new defense or whatever the case may be. So I think that part of it's really, really big. The pass rush to me is so critical. Think about last year, what they were able to accomplish getting those 70 sacks and how, Early on, really for the first, like, I don't know, I have to go back and look at it, but it felt like the first 10, 12 weeks, they were also led the league in takeaways. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that, that could really be the case, too, if that, you know, they're getting after the quarterback. Look, look at the speed, just the speed alone they have on defense. Josh Sweat, Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter. 
N'Kobe Dean. You know, these are a lot of speed. Derek Barnett. There's a lot of speed up on that defensive front. Yep. It's 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 gonna be another like NASCAR type defense. Yep. There's no question about that. Yeah. Can they get the job done? We think they can. You know, we're gonna find out. Because no you, you're playing you're playing a collection of smarter quarterbacks than you played last year. And obviously the smarter quarterbacks are groomed by smarter offensive coordinators or they wouldn't be in those positions. Mm-hmm. So even though they don't know what a Deshaun decide defense is going to look like, they have enough tape on some of the personnel that's playing that defense to try to combat this. Can this Eagles defense get home with the frequency they did last year? Man, that's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see this defense perform with this, those guys up front again. Same way. Uh, one last note here. Uh, Derek Barnett restructured his deal. Um, and usually, you know, when you hear these restructures, it's just sort of like, you know, money moved. He took a pay cut, basically. Um, so he his, his previous deal, he was due $7.5 million this year, $1.5 guaranteed. Yep. Uh, with up to one million per game bonuses, max at eight point five. Now uh, he's due three point five million guaranteed with two hundred and fifty in game, and up to two two point two five in incentives. It's a, it's a you know it depends on the, where the money's coming from, but he it, I think he was a candidate for a restructure because of how high the the base salary was, and this is the kind of stuff that Howie does, and it makes sense. You know, it, it was uh, it's something that that you know, felt like it was only kind of a matter of time here when you saw what his base, I think a couple other guys could be in line for that too. Well, but it, it, also, it also tells me that, you know, people who all through the summer felt that um, Derek Barnett was going to be trade bait. This tells me that the Eagles want him here. Yeah. Tells me that they want him to be a part of what they're trying to accomplish. And he adds depth. If he can come all the way back and, and come off that knee injury, um, I think he's going to be vital to that rotation up front as well, especially in passing situations. Um, you know, let's face it. The Eagles are not a team that just get, give up on players right away, mm-hmm. when they, especially when they invest first-round picks of them. No story better. Can't, can't emphasize enough what they did with Brandon Graham is legendary. I mean, they very easily could have given up on him early in his career. They mm-hmm. did. Yeah. They, saw, they saw something we all overlooked, you know. And here he is today, one of the, one of the favorites. He'll go down as one of the all-time favorites in this city. Um, and and they're, they're doing everything possible. They can give Derek Barnett another chance to redeem himself. Yeah. If he, if he can eliminate the mental aspects of what got him in trouble in the past in 2021, he's got the physical attributes to be a significant contributor in his defense. And that's what I think the Eagles are banking on, that he's showing maturity. They've had the discussions of, look, we can't have you doing this time and you know, play in and play out. You've got to be mentally sharper and on point. And now it's on him. You know, see, Mr. Tass is wrong again, Digo. We'll see. We'll see. Because when I talk to these players and other people inside the organization, you know, they have they have a lot of high hopes for Derek Barnett. They're not yeah. they're not about to give up on him yet. You know, we've seen spurts of him being able to be disruptive. We have. He this is a this is a make or break. I don't think there's any doubt it's a make or break for him this year. That's for sure. Yeah. As far as his Eagles career. Absolutely. Um all right, let's come back and 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 by the way, our greatest series, we will do the Philadelphia Eagles today. So that'll that'll be coming up in a little bit. Uh when we come back, we will continue to focus on the defense here because it was kind of a defensive day. 
at the NovaCare Complex today. So we'll, we'll look back at what they did well, what they struggled with last year, some other news and notes from the first couple of days, who's looked good, who hasn't looked good, who struggled a little bit. We'll do all those kind of things uh, when we come back. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Bravo Pizza of Havertown, uh, proud sponsors of both Sports Take and Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Been going there since I was a kid. They are family-owned since 1985. They have a, just a great, great crew there with Alex and all the guys. They're in there seven days a week just cranking out the best possible food that you could have fresh, uh, flour flown in from Italy. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. Uh, you know, I, I also love the fact that they will, they'll make it the way that you want it, that specialized pizza your way. But if, if it's just not your, your, what you're looking for uh, tonight or whenever, and it's not, you're not up for a little pizza, they have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. They're also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for schools, charities, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organization, organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. That's 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Here's a little sampling of Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Hey, we're back. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. That's Derek. I'm Rob. Thanks for hanging with us. Let's hit the like button if we could, my friends. Let's keep the Eagles talk going, D-Gun. Um, all right, let's look at the defense. And, you know, it's an interesting situation that they have because they still have a ton of talent. Uh, but there was a lot of turnover and, you know, you're looking at a new linebacking core, you're looking at new safeties, you're looking at uh, Javon Hargrave departing, you know, you're losing Hargrave, Edwards, uh, Kaiser White, Epps, you know, uh, and there's a, there's a lot of new faces stepping in there that have to do the job. All right. So let's look back at the good and the bad from last year, the good 70 sacks. I mean, most in football by a good amount. They were a pass rushing machine. Now they lose Javon Hargrave and clearly that's, that's not nothing. You know, that that's, that's 11 sacks right there from the defensive tackle position. Um, but still they, they bring back Josh sweat and Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick and Fletcher Cox, all guys who had seven or more sacks. Um, they were, you know, good against in point in terms of points per game. They were seventh in the league at 20.2. That's a good number. Versus the pass, they were number one. One uh, gave up 179.8 in the air. Very good again. Here's where they struggled a little bit, Derek. Uh, versus the run, they were 17th. They yep. gave up 122.6. And they struggled, I think, in general, sort of in the middle of the field, whether it was runs or dumps to the tight end or, or you know, crossing patterns or those kind of things. That was a bit of a weakness for them. So uh, it, when, you, when you look at that in total and then you add in the fact that there's, you know, a bunch of new coaches too, um, what are your expectations for this unit overall? Well, because there's still so many question marks about the middle of that defense, um, I wonder how Desai and Patricia shore up the passing game over the middle, which was a glaring weakness for as good as that defense was. That's one area they struggled in. They struggled with tackling. They, they struggled with coming up and plugging the gaps against the run. So those are some of the things that, that definitely have to be fixed. Well, here's the thing that I do like. Even though they have a, such a big influx of new players, you still have enough veteran players there to stabilize things when, when things are going south. You still have Fletcher Cox there, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. You still have Darius Slay. You still have James Bradbury. You have enough veteran presence there to calm the players down um, and get them back on the right track because of what they were able to accomplish last year. They understand it's not going to be perfect all the time, but it doesn't have to be. 
you know, some of the better teams in the history of pro football, they didn't have dominant defenses. Their defense is good enough to get off the field at strategic times to get the ball back to the offense to put even more pressure on the opposition. So that's what I, I expect. I expect that pass rush on defense to be pretty doggone good. We don't know if it's going to equal the numbers of what they achieved last year. But still, with the speed I just talked about and the presence they have there and the influx of what we consider right now in paper quality additions by way of the draft and holdovers from last year, um, I expect that defensive front to be pretty good. But those other areas, and especially in the back end of the defense, the communications, you know, even though Terrell Edmonds is, is a proven veteran, you still have to get on the same page communication-wise with your cornerbacks and a young player, whether it's Reed Blankenship or Sidney Brown or whoever playing next to you. That's going to take some time. So um, I expect this defense to be good. How good? That, that's, a, that's a huge question, Mark, that we continue to ask leading up until probably four or five games into the season. Uh, that's it. Time, time, time. Patience, patience, patience. It's going to take a little while. I think they're going to get there, but they're not going to be where I would guess Eagles fans want them to be right away. I think it's going to take a little while. I think it's going to take a while for them, some of these guys, to adjust. It's only natural. The game's going to be going really fast for the rookies and the guys who didn't play a ton last year. Uh, there's only so much a veteran can do in terms of trying to impart certain kinds of wisdom, uh, but but you do have good advantages because you're the positions where you have inexperienced are pretty interspliced with vets. Yes, uh, you know you have Fletcher Cox, you have Milton Williams, you have Brandon Graham, you have Josh Sweat along that defensive line to go with some of the other younger guys. Uh, your corners yes. are very veteran guys, right? You know, and the thing with Edmonds is Edmonds is new to the Eagles, but he's been around for a while in the NFL, so. I think he can help Reed Blankenship along the way, Sidney Brown, you know, whatever that ends up looking like. Uh, you're pretty good at corner with Slay Bradbury and Avante Maddox if he can stay healthy, which is a big if. Um, you know, and then the linebackers, Morrow's at least been around. And, you know, we're going to see how quickly N'Kobe Dean and how much last year, you know, getting a little bit of time helped him. I just think that's really all it is more than anything else. I have I have pretty good faith that that Jalen Carter can play, that Nolan Smith can play, that Kobe Dean can play. It's just a matter of how quickly can they be ready to play at this Absolutely. Level. Yeah. There's no no question about it. Um it just doesn't all come together in training camp. You know, people think what they see in training camps are what you're going to see in a regular season. No. When the bullets start flying for real, the speed is increased twofold compared to what you see in training camp. You know, and even when you have those limited practice sessions with with other teams and preseason games, you're not playing your regulars together. There's a feel that has to be achieved at a certain point. And it may, it may not happen the first two games. Mm-hmm. It may look good because of the opponents you're playing against or not the top-notch opponents, but it's not going to be where you want it to be for at least three or four weeks into a season. Yeah. That's understandable. No, I, listen, I agree. And, and the other part of this is, Let's face it, that defense last year benefited from playing lesser teams and lesser quarterbacks. This defense, unless there's injuries, won't have that same advantage. They're going to be playing yeah. against a harder, you know, level of, of player here and quarterback. I mean, if you just go to the schedule, okay, so you start off week one. I don't know what it's really going to look like with Mac Jones yet, but I would assume it's going to be better than last year with Bill O'Brien there. But, I, okay, that one's not, you know, a juggernaut. For whatever people think about Kirk Cousins, and I, the Eagles did a great job on him last year, but Kirk yep. Cousins is a very good regular season quarterback. Yes. And he's got Justin Jefferson. 
So you get them week two. You mentioned Baker Mayfield. You know, generally what you get out of him early is is the best of Baker Mayfield. Yes, and they're playing him early. Yes. Week three, yeah. Uh, we don't know yet about Sam Howell. You know, with, with, with the Rams, you have a very smart offensive coach in McVay. If Stafford's healthy and Cup is healthy, you know, that, that's not an easy, you know, duo to deal with, right? Then the next week you get Aaron Rodgers. The week after that, you get Tua. Yeah, then it's Washington again, but then you start getting Dak Prescott, who's had a yeah. lot of success against you. You get Pat yeah. Mahomes. You get Josh Allen, you know, San Fran, Dallas again, Geno. You know, yep. New York, you know, you, you get the gist. Like, this is uh, – it's a lot more difficult than it was last year, for sure. And you're playing teams that have much better defenses Yeah, uh, than the collection you had last year as well. So um, – and I saw I saw a, a short clip uh, from this morning's practice where Nick, Nick Sirianni started yelling at the players again about you know this this is not perfect you know you, you can't wait until the regular season for it to be perfect it has to be perfect now yeah so you know he's putting pressure on these guys hey look we got to get this thing right now right. he understands he understands the task at hand mm-hmm. you know you don't overlook anybody uh, you say oh we're, we're we're playing we're playing Mac Jones. You're playing Bill Belichick's defense also. Yes. Bill Belichick had one of the best defenses in the National Football League last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Tampa Bay, as bad as they were offensively, were a good defensive team last year. You know, so you got to counter all that stuff. Yeah. The more pressure you can put on teams early and keep that those defenses on the field longer, the easier it makes for your overall day at the office. Great point. You know, and, and, yeah. and Sirianni understands this. Yeah. No matter what we're saying on the outside looking in about, man, we expect this offense to be rolling. We expect this, that, and the other. Well, guess what? The task gets a little bit harder because the caliber of defenses you're going to be facing this year as well. We keep talking about the quarterbacks they're facing. We, we overlook the collection of defenses they're playing from this year. Buffalo, San Francisco. And I don't want to hear about, you know, okay, well, you know, we smoked San Francisco's defense. It was a lopsided game, and rightfully so, because you had no offense once your two quarterbacks went down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, you did what you had to do. You took advantage of a wounded animal, and rightfully so. But now you don't know what's going to happen this year. No, you're right, I, and that that is a great point too. Um, your the Eagles' offense was able to get up on teams and force them to be in passing situations, right? Where where even though the Eagles weren't good against the run, most of the time it didn't really matter because those other teams had to throw all the time. And that allowed the Eagles to tee off and get the 70 sacks. Right. Are you going to be able to jump on these teams like you did last year and force other teams' offenses into predictable, you know, series and plays and downs? That's the thing. We don't know that either, Derek. You know, it's not like if if last year some of those bad teams were down, you know, 21 points in in the third quarter, they weren't going to try and run the ball. You knew what they were doing. And the Eagles could pin their ears back and just get after them. Absolutely. We don't know what and, that's going to look like. And you had a lot of skittish quarterbacks, man, that didn't know what they were looking at across the line of scrimmage. That's for sure. There's a number of quarterbacks. You're not going to fool these guys, some of these guys this year. Yeah. No, um, you, you got – matter of fact, you're playing, you're, you're playing against some of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league this year. Yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to get Mahomes. You're going to get Kirk Cousins. Josh Allen. Kirk Cousins. Josh Allen. Geno. Uh, Geno. Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, you're getting guys who were paid, guys who were looking to get paid, like Tua. Dak Prescott's paid very highly. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, Daniel Jones got a big race. 
So you're you're there's a lot of there's a lot of competition here. One of the things that the side kept emphasizing was physicality. Yeah. It mentioned it over and over again. We want to be physical. We want to be more physical than we were last year. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that the Eagles did they strike you as a finesse team last year? No. No. No, me either. They they were they were let's put it like this. They were physical up front. Right. Now, once you got past their front, it, it was a little suspect, especially in the tackling department. Right. You know? Yeah. But they were physical up front from start to finish last year. Yeah. You get all 11 guys on the page. And plus, you know, Bradbury and Slate could play the press well when they had the opportunities. The problem was is that Jonathan Gannon had too much respect for receivers and allowed them to catch a lot of underneath stuff. I always say I want to see the corners be able to get up and knock receivers off routes. Now, there's some receivers you're going to face. You're not knocking DK Metcalf off his routes. Yeah, yeah. Stephon Gilmore, guys like that, Justin Jefferson. You know, uh, the problem with the Vikings last year was their offensive line. You know, so I want to see these these cornerbacks play a little bit more press coverage instead of of giving up all this underneath stuff that was going on a season ago. Yeah. If Matt Patricia implements some of the mindset that a Bill Belichick defense is, you won't see all of this seven to ten yard cushion stuff. Right. You know, you, you're gonna see you're gonna see them force a quarterback to pat the ball a half second, a second longer, which hopefully allows that front to get home. You know, but I, I, I really don't know what to expect from a Sean Desai. I really don't. I don't either. And that's, you know, part of what makes figuring out this defense harder. You know, I because if, if you're if you're if you're looking at the offense, A, most of the personnel is back, and B, Brian Johnson was already here here in-house and he knows the quarterback well. So you figure right. there's not going to be a big transition there. At least you wouldn't think so. Uh, but there's no question about it uh, with this defense. It's going to look a lot different. And, you know, Sean Desai, even though look, this, this not giving up big plays thing is a, is an organizational philosophy more than it was even Jonathan Gannon. So you're still going to see that same implementation, that, that, that same philosophy, right? So you're going to see that, but I think more than anything else, what are the twists? Is he going to blitz a little bit more? Will he go in press coverage a little bit more? Will there be a little bit more risk-taking? Let's face it, the Eagles were conservative last year. Um, and maybe they were conservative for a reason. They felt like they couldn't trust certain guys on an island or whatever. Tone brings up they were they were some poor tackling. I agree with that. It's true. So what you know, what is it that's going to distinguish Desai from that and from what we've seen the last couple of years is is the question. And that and it's hard to answer that. Like he can say, Oh, we got to get more physical. What defensive coordinator doesn't want his defense? Exactly. So what exactly are are you implementing to get the best out of these guys? And how are you getting up to them up to speed fast without a ton of practice time, just by then by nature of the way things are now? And, and I think I think the biggest dilemma in today's football with under this collective bargaining agreement is you can harp all you want about getting physical, but guess what? Teams that got physical practice it over and over in tech ta- in practice. Yeah. The practice sessions are so limited. The coaches put an extreme uh, a, a collar on how much you can hit because of the fear of, of players getting injured. 
Yep. So you really can't really practice it. You know, you can practice form in a, in a walkthrough session. You right. know, we're going to practice form tackling. Here's where your head needs to be. Here's where your arms need to be. But that doesn't translate into what's going to happen during a game. Yeah. And, that's, and, and this is across the board. I see too many guys, especially DBs, they try to come up and lay a shoulder into a, a ball carrier more so than wrapping up in, 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 in more than 50% of the time. The ball carrier bounces right off the would-be tackler because you're not sticking an arm out trying to trip them up. Yeah, you know, I think that's most important. You got to you got to teach these guys get your arms around the lower uh, lower torso of a ball carrier. Period. Now, when you try to tackle a guy like Derrick Henry, you're making a business decision. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but for yeah. the most part, anybody else, get your arms around these guys. Get your head in the proper position. You know, don't just try to roll tackle. Don't try to show, throw a shoulder into them and knock them off the feet. You might knock them off balance, but you're not necessarily knocking them off the, their feet. These guys are too strong nowadays. I wonder, I, I wonder too, just, you know, thinking about it. Um, and when we discussed this a little bit um, yesterday, but, you know, JM brings up Matt Patricia. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what other than is he is he more than just a consultant? Is he a guy that that Sirianni and or Desai can just sort of bounce things off of, or is there more to this? Is he more hands on? Uh, you know, that's the tough thing. I, I'd love to see what's going on there at practice to to get a handle of how involved you know in in the fundamental stuff, whether it's tackling or play calling or whatever. I I, I you know I don't know what his role. I wonder if he's going to be upstairs in a booth. Is he going to be on the sideline once it gets real? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious what his role is going to be because, look, before he went to Detroit, and that was a disaster. And before he was, you know, like thrown to being a co-offensive coordinator, which was just dumb by Belichick, he was a good defensive coordinator. Yes. But we don't, you know, I don't know what that, what shape that takes. Like, why would he leave New England and come here? Did he feel like he wasn't going to have enough say over there? Um, that, that's, you know, that, that's something that, that I'm not sure about. You know, I think the one distinct advantage the Eagles have going into their first game of the season is that Patricia knows Bill Belichick's defensive mindset as well as anybody in the National Football League. Yeah. And he, he can tell his guys, hey, when they align like this, this is what they're going to do. And this is what they're going to try to do. Um, that's a huge advantage beyond just personnel. You know, we agree the Eagles have on paper superior personnel uh, uh, to, uh, compared to New England. But there's a reason why New England – is consistently one of the better defenses in the National Football League because their concepts never change. They have a coach who beats it into their head over and over again. And they, and they go out and get a certain type of player. It may not be a marquee name, but they find a certain type of player to fit the scheme that they want to implement. Mm-hmm. Having Patricia for that game, especially it's on the road in hostile environment. Tom Brady night. You're opening right. the season against, you know, there's a whole lot of hype surrounding that game. That this Eagles team is going to have to confront going into that, uh, going into that that New England stadium, and to have somebody like Patricia who knows exactly what Bill Belichick likes to do in a chess match, that is huge for that first game of the season for this team to get off on the right foot. No, you're right, and that's the thing. I mean, that is a that's a real big advantage uh, that first game to have him there. Oh, to, oh my gosh, is that huge, right? Um, so beyond that, let me just jump off the uh, to the offense for for a couple things here. Um, Devontae Smith uh, talked about what he wanted in terms of what he was looking for this year in terms of goals. He said, "quote I always want to better myself. There's always room for improvement. You can never just sit there and think it's good enough. You can always get better. Doing the things that I've been doing uh, and doing them at a high level, just doing it faster." Yeah. And he also said that I'm not 
the, the contract thing will take care of itself. I'm going to go out there and play. So he's, he's got a good look outlook on that. There you go. Um, yeah, and apparently, uh, according to Tim McManus of ESPN.com, he said that DeAndre Swift tweeted out that DeAndre Swift was the real crowd pleaser today, elicited some oohs from the fans when he scampered into open space along the left sideline, got an okay Swift later in practice following a shifty run to the second level. I Look, I think, I think Eagles fans are poised to fall in love with him because of the kind of game that he has. And he's from Philadelphia. He's a local kid, St. Joe's prep and all that kind of stuff. Like he's going to be the darling, I think, you know, know, offensively for the newer guys. DeAndre Swift can be a game breaker. There's no question about that, you know? And like I said, I always love as much as running back has always been and always will be my favorite position uh, of any position on a football team. Um, I love the guy, the scat back. Historically, I love the type of running backs like the Dalvin Cooks, the Gale Sayers, the Barry Sanders, the DeAndre Swift, who can get out of open space and make a guy miss, shake, rattle, and roll and make you miss. You know, um, and and DeAndre Swift has all those capabilities. You know, every time he carries a football, though, you just have to cross your fingers that he's going to get up based on his history in the NFL. Um, Hopefully he can get out from under that. Hopefully with the depth that they have at running back, too much is not going to be asked of him, you know, in that regard. I'd say get him out in open space, you know, more sweeps to the outside. Let him pick and pick his hole. Uh, hit him with screens more. Hit him on a couple of wheel routes going down the field as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where he's the most effective. Hitch passes to him uh, as well. Let him let him work. Let him shake, rattle, and roll uh, out in open space more so than the congestion between the tackles. Yep. Yeah, he's um, he, he's got that – innate anywhere on the field break a long one kind of ability here and yep. i think it's going to be great contrasting the power of richard penny I, I think having those two that one two dynamic i wonder if we'll see a situation where they're both in the backfield at the same time too that would be, kind of be cool. surprised at least two of the four at the same time you know we keep talking about penny and swift and we we keep and i'm just saying in general yep. we keep overlooking gainwell and, and yes. what gainwell gave you know, to this offense last year, both as a runner and a pass catcher. Mm-hmm. He was a quality running back as well. Yeah. You know, uh, we keep talking about these other two guys, and rightfully so because of their pedigree. But, you know, I, it's a great problem for Sirianni and, and Brian Johnson to have. Which one do I go to? Exactly. You know, even, even Boston Scott. I mean, I which know. one do I go to? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. All right. Let's come back. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, we've been doing our greatest series here and, uh, now the camp's underway. We took it, we wrote it all the way to Friday and today we do the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes. Who are our top 10 Philadelphia Eagles of all time. We will do that when we come back. You don't want to miss that. So, uh, coming up, we'll have Scott Lauber a little bit later. We'll talk some Phillies, our NFL segment, the whole night. All right. I want to tell you right now about Jim Murray and principal financial group, uh, Jim Murray, and Principal Financial Group are the place that you turn to, for me at least, uh, if you need someone you can trust to help you with your hard-earned cash, hard-earned money that you uh, you have made over the years to invest wisely to take care of your future. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you want to need some help with your employee benefits, that's another resource that Jim can help you with. I know personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, I couldn't be any happier. And it was a smooth transition. You know, it, it, it's a lot when you're trying to figure out how to do, you know, what to do, get in touch with your old HR 
from from wherever you left, all those kind of things. Jim walks through and he's right there with you the entire time. Give him a call, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. Back. What's up, everybody? Thanks for hanging. The Gun, Rob Ellis, on this Friday. How about that, man? We're uh, we're down to three days of July, Derek. Three days. Oh, don't Crazy, even, don't, right? don't don't remind me, please. Oh, man, unbelievable. Uh, all right, so uh, we've had a lot of fun with this, where we've done the uh, the greatest. I think we got to every team. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. I might go back this weekend and 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 walk through it. Mm. Sorry, I'm fixing my chair. Apologies. Uh, and, and see if I can, uh, we missed any, maybe we'll, uh, we'll do it next week. Um, for sure. We'll, uh, 
we'll get going on that. Got it fixed. Sorry. <laughs> um, live live streaming, friends. All right. Uh, so today we'll do the Eagles, and you know this was fun, and it, you, you always try and balance like the real old school stuff when the game was just completely different with with this day and age, and it's always hard to compare generations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But what the heck, man? Uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, it's your team, your history, your story. I'll play off you today. All right. So I'll give you, I'm going to do like my best, uh, Vanna white. I'm not going to turn over any letters, but I'm going to give you a little, little, a little bit of that. (laughs) So, uh, there's my number one and there's my number two. Okay. Uh, I don't want to take them both away. So I'll just give you Bednarik for, for right now. All right. So here's Chuck Bednarik. Played 14 season for the team, 14 years for the team, won a championship with them his rookie year in 49 and was still there in 60, yep. won a championship too. So two championships is rarefied air for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, they won it back-to-back 48 and 49, but for to span the 49 season and the 60 season is rare. Played center and linebacker. So uh, you're not talking defensive back and wide receiver where you're out on an island and not getting hit every play. You're getting hit every single play. Uh, 124, the the sack totals are are pretty ridiculous. Uh, They didn't really keep them as a stat as much, right? but somewhere around 124, he was the defensive player of the year. He was also considered for a very long time, the best center in the game. Um, it's hard to do that on both sides of the ball. So he was, uh, he was one of a kind. So I'm going to go with concrete. Charlie as my number one. He was one of the last two way players in the national football league. Also. Okay. You know, he was considered at that time, if not the, one of the hardest hitters ever to play in the game. They say when he when he hits you, it was just like bone-jarring hits. Yep. The hit he put on Frank Gifford was is legendary. Even That's for me, you know, coming up, you know, yeah. coming up as a kid, um, you know, hearing about that hit. And it knocked Gifford out of pro football for like 18 months. Yes. You know, it took him almost 18 months to recover from the that. rest of that year and the following year. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people at that time deemed that hit as a dirty hit. And Gifford finally claimed, claimed out and said, no, he got me clean. It was a clean hit, you know. But, man, I mean, it, but some people thought Gifford was dead the way he was laying on the field. Out there oh, yeah. For know? real. But 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 Concrete Charlie, uh, you talk about the Ironman era of football. He was at the forefront of an of, of the Ironman era. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. So I, I had a – I did. I really went back and forth with him and Reggie, but I don't want to influence who your next one is. So you, you, you uh, jump in. Well, it, it would have to be Reggie, you know, because early on, I mean, he started his first two years. When you look at the volume of, of sacks he acquired as a professional athlete, and you think about how he, he played his first two years with the Memphis Showboats. And the only reason he ended up in Philadelphia is because the USFL went belly up at that point. He might have stayed with the Memphis Showboats and, and, and stayed there a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But Reggie White, it took him a while, as, as great as he was, took him a while to find his his footing in the National Football League. But, man, once he settled in, that dude was unbelievable. And once he developed that club move and, and never saw it before in all the years I've watched football, yep. never seen it since. You know, somebody who had a signature move that nobody could stop. Now, he wouldn't use it all the, all the time in a game, but he knew exactly when he had a tackle right where you wanted him to set up at certain points of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he's the man had 21 sacks one season 
in only 12 games. Yeah, strike shortened season. Yeah, it's it's one of the most remarkable performances we've ever seen, for sure. What did he finish? What did he finish? He had 198 official sacks in the National Football League. Yeah. They said that with his two years in Memphis, he had well over 200 sacks. Yep. <laughs> and you play, he played defensive tackle. He played on the nose. He played defensive end. You yeah. can move him all around. And he, it was, it was like nothing for him. I mean, he was interchangeable at any of those spots. He, he was, uh, it was incredible. He would have stayed here his whole career had it not been for Norman Brayman. Norman Brayman drew just basically between Reggie and Seth Joyner and Clyde Simmons and Keith Jackson and Keith Byers. It's a, he drove all of those guys out of here. Unfortunately, they didn't want to leave. Yeah. Here, here's, here's one of the defining stats of Reggie White's career. Reggie White had official 198 sacks in the NFL in 232 games. It took the, the great Bruce Smith 47 more games to surpass 200 sacks. Think about that. Yep. 47 more games than what Reggie played just to surpass 200. Reggie had 232 games and was too shy of 200. Yeah, like here's the thing. Bruce Smith was truly great. Yes. Reggie White was greater than Bruce Smith. Yes. I agree. He was that great. All right. Um, You know, number three, uh, you you know, again, I'll dip back into the yesteryear, but Steve Van Buren uh, running back, he won back-to-back titles with the Eagles in 48 and 49. He was a five-time All-Pro, four-time rushing champ, Hall of Famer. When he retired, Derek, he had every single rushing record in the league when he hung it up. Uh, He was that great. Um, He's a fascinating backstory. So real quick, when uh, when the Eagles won it in – it was either 40, one of them were, was in LA and one of them was here. I think 49 was here. Uh, he lived in, in Drexel Hill. He it's snowing all day that day of the game. He gets out. He's got to take three different trains just to get to Philadelphia to get into the city. So it takes him forever. He walks to the, you know, like a mile to get to in, in the snow to get to the, uh, the trolley stop. He gets there. The, all the players have to help with the tarp because yep. they didn't have a grounds crew. They get the tarp off the field. They play. They win it. Uh, he was also a guy who was ahead of his time and that he could catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he was a great player at LSU. Uh, grew up in Honduras. Like a really interesting background on mm. this guy. But great, great player. Great running back. Way ahead of his time. Well, if you're going to stay in the running backs, I'm going to see if this makes you cringe or not. I put LaShawn McCoy in that category. That high? I would put him in that category when it ta- when you come to running backs. Wow. Uh, unfortunately, he left here prematurely. But when you look at where he was when he left here, yeah, his numbers are better than any other running back in the history of this organization. Yep. When you think about it, now he was deemed a scat back. You know, there are a lot of back running backs that fall in that category of scat back. But when you look at the numbers he put up, and we argued this point, and not argue, we brought up this point a while back: Is Lashawn McCoy a Hall of Famer? Now, obviously, he wasn't the back in other stops where he made, especially in Kansas City, that he was here. But he finished his career with over 11,000 yards rushing. Is it a Hall of Fame worthy for LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, I think he's I think he's on the on the border. I do. Okay. But I, then I mean, th- does he get in three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now? You know? I, I think as time goes on, his numbers will be appreciated more. I do. I think people – I think – yeah, I think in a, in a broader sense – People will look back on him like as they did with a Harold Carmichael um, and, and realize, you know what? His numbers are, are respectable and he might get in on that regard. But unfortunately, 
um, he's sitting on that teeter-totter of every time he's up against somebody else for Hall of Fame mention, somebody else is going to get in ahead of him. But from my perspective, and I've been here since 97, LaShawn McCoy was a quality back. You know, he wasn't a power back. But I tell you what, man, when he got an open field and he started dancing, teams teams hated facing him. No finer game was that snow game that I had to cover when he ran for over 200 yards against Detroit in the snow. You know what it takes to plant your foot, stick it in the dirt and the snow? And it was like a foot of snow on the ground. Oh, he was incredible in that game. He really, you're right. He really was. That was remarkable. <laughs> that, that, there, there was, that was tough sledding. And to be able to do what he oh. did, that, he really earned the cutting on a dime nickname in that yes. game. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, I put him, I didn't, I, I don't, I didn't categorize him as, you know, one, two, any of them, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. 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 But I just put him on a broader list because I think he deserves to be mentioned as one of the greatest Eagles based on what he contributed to this team. I actually think it's more fun that way to do it that way. As yeah. Opposed to just, yeah. This guy's got to be threes, four, you know, whatever. Um, all right. I, I'll go Brian Dawkins. Uh, nine Pro Bowls, 34, you know, 34, uh, INTs. I mean, he's got the most. I mean, he his numbers were just the thing is you could do everything with him. You could blitz him. He was good in run support. He could cover. Um he played special teams, which is crazy. Yep. Think about it, but he did. The impact that he had, he raised everybody's game around him. He made everybody around him better, which not everybody does. Not all great players do that, but he definitely made everybody around him better. Um, I think he changed the way the safety position is played. Credit to Jim Johnson. And Brian will tell you that Jim Johnson put him in the best positions to succeed. Uh, and then you started to see Paul Amalo and, and Ed Reed and some of these guys, do, you know, do the same thing, follow suit. And that's fine. Dawkins was unto himself in, in terms of uh, versatility. In my opinion, I think that was his greatest attribute is versatility. Doc could have played linebacker in the national football league. That dude was jacked. Yeah. You know, and once Jim Johnson turned him loose, that's when he became this Wolverine. You know, he said, Jim, once Jim Johnson took over that defense and said, this is what I want you to be, he said, okay. Mm -hmm. You saw this dude flying over the top of, uh, of piles, making tackles, <clears throat> jumping across the line of scrimmage, bringing down quarterbacks. He would he would talk. I love that clip you see of Takeo Spikes talking about, he goes, I'm playing in the game, and Brian Dawkins says, I want to take his soul. <laughs> and, and I'm going to take and, and Takeo said, what? what? What are you talking about? And he went out there and laid a hit on somebody. I believe it was against Green Bay, a tight end. Yeah. And Mikhail said, I want, I want some of that. Yeah. 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 But he was at that time one of the most feared defenders in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Brian Dawkins, you know, is a quiet, humble human being. Once he put on that uniform, he went out there, man, he, he talked. Mm -hmm. You know, he talked, but he could back it up. Yeah. And wasn't afraid to put his nose in there. You know, a lot of, a lot of safeties are maybe good cover safeties like an Ed Reed, or, you know, so on and so forth. Brian Dawkins laid the lumber, man. He was like having a Jeremiah Trotter on the back of that defense. He was a classic case of just a, a totally different personality on the field. He became possessed on the field as opposed to the, you know, the gentleman, the, the godly man, all those kind of things that he is off the field. But he was once that once he came out of that tunnel, it was just different. He was just a different guy. When you look at a Brian Dawkins also, we can't overlook the fact that look at some of the demons he had to battle just to, to win every day in life yeah, and then go out there and perform at his highest level. Um, he's very open about talking about the severe depression he battled, especially early on in his career where he would have volatile moments, yeah. you know, put his fist through a wall, you know, that could have ended a lot of careers. 
but he found a way to overcome that and still play at the highest level from start to finish. You know, unfortunately, you know, Joe Banner made the mistake of letting him go. And Joe, Joe openly has said one of the biggest mistakes he made of his tenure with the Philadelphia Eagles was not keeping Brian Dawkins in here for the duration of his career. Because even when B doc went to Denver, B doc was a, was a pro bowler with the Denver Broncos as well. Yep. You know, so, so Brian Dawkins, no question about it. When you talk about the annals of Eagles history, Brian Dawkins is definitely one of the first names you have to mention. Okay. All right. Who else do you have? I have to put Donovan McNabb on this list. Yep. You know, I have to. Mm-hmm. He was with this team 11 years. And I know there's a lot of, there's no gray area when it comes to Donovan McNabb. People in Philadelphia, either you like him or you don't. And, Do- and, 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 and McNabb brought a lot of this on himself. But just in terms of playing the game of football, in 11 years with this team, he led them to eight playoff appearances, five division titles, five conference championship games, and to a Super Bowl. He's the all-time leader in passing yards, and I think he's one of only four quarterbacks who has surpassed 30,000 yards passing, 200 passing touchdowns, over 3,000 yards rushing, and over 20 rushing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So say what you want to say about you know, Donovan McNabb, the person and all of his antics and his corniness and stuff like that. But Donovan McNabb for this organization served his purpose well and gave this team a lot. He gave him some great moments. Remember the one game in Dallas where they, they, they chased him around the field for like 14 seconds and he unleashes a bomb, I believe it was, to Deshaun Jackson for a big Freddie Mitchell. Freddie Mitchell. Freddie Mitchell. I was at that game. Yep. He's running around like the Keystone Cops. And we're thinking, It's one of the greatest plays you'll ever see. No question. No yeah. question about that. You know, and, and the fact that, that Dallas is like, they can't bring him down and he unloads that bomb. Donovan McNabb definitely deserves to be on this list. I agree. With you. I have him on the list. Yeah. I mean, over 33,000 yards passing over 206 or 216 touchdowns. It's remarkable. That's, that's a good one. Uh, Harold Carmichael, uh, you know, finally got his just due with the Hall of Fame. 589 catches, 8,978 yards, 79 touchdowns. Had the for a while had the all-time consecutive game streak with catches. Uh, finally got the, the like I said the recognition that he deserves. Uh, he was a great player. He was unique. He was six eight. Uh, they tried to utilize him early in his career at tight end, and then they finally said, "No, you're a receiver." Once that happened, he started to blossom. If you look at his first couple of years, they're yeah. not very productive because he yeah. was being used wrong. I can only imagine what his numbers would have been if from the beginning they used him as a receiver. And if he had better quarterbacks until Jaworski got here, he didn't have great quarterbacks during that time. Um, he was a great, great player. He was, he was the ultimate target in the red zone. He was great at fades. You could just throw it up and he'd make a play. And I'll, I'll say on top of it, a nicer gentleman you'll never meet in your life than Harold Carmichael. No question about it. Um, the fact that he only had 8,900 yards receiving yet 79, Touchdown catches. Think about that. 79 touchdown catches, but only 8,900 receiving yards. Back then, cornerbacks weren't as tall and rangy as they are now. Most of yeah. the cornerbacks, 5'10", 5, 5, if you like, 5'11", in your cleats. And this dude is 6'8". All you do is throw it up, you know, mm-hmm. for him. And tell you an interesting story. When I first got here in 1997, and, you know, being an outsider, you know, we got to see some Philadelphia Eagles games, no matter where you played in the country. And depending on the matchup, especially when it was against the likes of of um, the, the Cowboys or the Giants back in their heyday, you know, and everybody across the country was fascinated with this six, eight wide receiver. That's a novelty, you know. Yeah. So when I got to Philadelphia and we started doing different shows and you had the show, the format, you know, 
the Daily News Live show, and we'd have Harold on occasionally. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would call my dad, Dad, I got to meet Harold Carmichael. <sighs> and my dad would ask me, is he as big as they say he is? Go, yes, <laughs> your dad. He's the nicest guy you ever wanted to meet. Yeah. And Harold and I formed a great friendship every now and then out of the clear blue. The funny thing is, Harold has social media accounts, like on Twitter and stuff. Right. Excuse me, on X, you know. For X, yeah. Um, but he does. He's not active on them. But every now and then, I'll get a text. He goes, "I saw what you just posted." You know, <laughs> like that. You know. I'm like, wild. "Where are you?" And the thing is, his wife is even nicer than him, if that's possible. Yeah. And every time I saw his wife when we were in tunnels, she would go out of her way to give me a hug, and we stand there and talk like we knew each other forever. Yeah. And, and guys like Harold Carmichael and Mike Quick and I, we have formed great friendships through the years. Um, and you're right. When you talk about gentlemen's gentlemen, uh, Harold Carmichael is it. He yeah. didn't like a lot of limelight. Matter of fact, when he was inducted to the Hall of Fame, he he really didn't want to sit down and talk. You know, I, I as well as other media members in in Philadelphia had a chance to sit down with him one on one and do interviews. He did. He really didn't want to talk about him. He he's always been that way. I don't want to talk about me. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Eagles organization kind of pushed him. Can you please just talk about finally getting into the Hall of Fame, please? Yeah, it's true. It. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And he he had the perfect job for a long time. He was sort of the player management liaison. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was right up his alley because the players respected him because he played the game. He was still, you know, one of them, but he also had the ability to, you know, and and shoot it straight to them and then also, you know, kind of work with management. Hey, this guy needs this. This, you know, and he was he was great at giving them you know, sort of the, the, the skinny, if you will, uh, Hey, look, this guy needs a little pat on the rear end. This guy yeah. needs a kick in the ass, you know, that kind of stuff. He was great. just a great human being, uh, Harold Carmichael. All right. Who else do you have? I will bring up a question that has been asked ever since I've been in Philadelphia. Why is Eric Allen not in the hall of fame? Uh, it, it's, it's one of the biggest jokes, honest to God. I mean, it, it is because even now we've sort of lowered the bar to the hall of very good. Yes. I'm sorry, man. If Eric Allen doesn't fit that criteria, then I'm not sure what people were watching. He, I mean, he was a great player. 54 interceptions, nine defensive touchdowns, you know, stellar six Pro Bowls. What else would you want from a defensive back? He, he meets, did it all. He, he always took the other team's best player, too. Yes. He, met a, he meets every criteria you need to get into the Hall of Fame. What is it about Eric Allen that the Hall of Fame just continues to shun? It's weird. I just don't – maybe he, the name wasn't big enough nationally or he was overshadowed by Reggie and Seth Joyner and Jerome and those guys. I Derek, for the life of me, this is one that's always escaped me because he, not only did he play well here, he played well in New Orleans or yes. Kansas City or wherever else, you know, he, his other stops. He played excellent. So it's not like he was just Philadelphia's secret. He went other places and played really, really well. How about in 93 – he has four interceptions returned for a touchdown. Yes. In one yes. season. Yes. Guys would love to have that for an entire career. He did that in one year. Absolutely. And and the fact that he continues to be overlooked, his name's not even on ballots. No. Yeah, that's a shame. It is. I don't understand it. I don't. I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, Oakland, whether it was Oakland or Kansas City or uh New Orleans, wherever. He he always played well. It's weird. Mm. It's what it's really weird. Um I'll go Jason Kelsey because I, you know, I think when, when all is said and done um, to me, he's going to go down. He might vault up to like top five or six. He's going to be a hall of famer. He will have run what will have won it. He'll have multiple, multiple, multiple pro bowls and all pros and all that kind of stuff. Um, And he's going to go down as one of the most beloved guys. So I don't, 
there's no 10 list that I can't put Jason Kelsey on. He's got to be on there, mm-hmm. even it's even though it's not a glamour position that he performs. Yes, I, I agree with you. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first ballot Hall of Famer either. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, that's saying a lot for a center. But, in, you know, let's face it, Jason Kelsey struggled early in his career, was considered an undersized center. And, you know, there were times that he did not match up well against some of the bigger D tackles in the game. But I don't know what it was. Once they got to that 2016-2017 season, Jason Kelsey became a different beast. And what he lacked in size made up for in smarts, technique, tenacity. And he's still that guy at this stage of his career, which is phenomenal for him. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I I agree. I think that um, the the thing that's going to help him in terms of being a first ballot guy is he's finishing the career so strong, like so strong. Yes. So I I think that's going to play a big part in it uh, for sure. All right, who else do you have? Got to put Tommy McDonald on that list. Yeah. Yep. You know, Tommy McDonald was only here from 1957 to 63. Uh, He finished his career here with, I think, 8,400 yards, but the man had 84 touchdowns. 84 touchdowns in that era. Little, wisp, little wispy guy, wasn't a big guy, was considered a flanker then. They didn't call it wide receiver. They called him flankers back yeah. then. Played running back in college at his Played size. running back in all positions. Didn't lose a game. Yeah. And who can forget his Hall of Fame speech um, when he, he chest bumped uh, a number of players at the podium and got And then went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, you know, again, here's another guy you got to know because of the show Daily News Live. Yeah, we had him in studio and just a gentleman. You know, funny thing is, you hear about Hall of Fame guys, you expect them to be these big guys. He walked in the studio for a first time, and we're like, "Look how little this guy is." He looked like you. I can't believe that guy played in the NFL. If you if you just exactly. he looks like your he looks so like your I, grandpa, like your little grandpa or something like that. That's what he looked like. I didn't I didn't know this, but um, you know, unfortunately, we we lost Tommy not too long ago. Yeah, and uh, it came out recently that Tommy was one of 345 former NFL players who have been diagnosed with CTE after their death. Yep. But I don't think he never showed any signs of that. You know, of all the players that have come out and talked about memory loss and things like that, Tommy Tommy McDonald never revealed anything like that. And every time we saw him, he's always smiling and joking. Um, You know what he used to do, Derek? He would, he he would, he would, um, he lived in Plymouth Meeting area uh, in Pennsylvania, and he would go to the Plymouth Meeting Mall, and he'd walk around the mall. This is when he was an older gentleman. He would walk around the mall, and people would comment on his championship ring from 1960, and he'd let them put it on. He'd always, he'd let yeah. everybody, and whoever wanted could wear it. Oh, you want to you want to you want to take a picture? You put it on. You you show it to your wife. You whatever. You show it to your brother, and and you know one time. He forgot it. He left it in the bathroom, and it was a whole thing. But anyway, oh, yeah. he got he got his ring back. But it was he was that kind of guy. He was a real he was really appreciative of what football brought to him in his life. He really was. Well said. Yeah, yeah, very cool. All right, I'll I'll throw a couple. I'm glad you put Eric Allen on there because I had him as well. Um, I, look, I'll I'll admit he's way before my time, but Pete Pihos. Play for the Eagles from yeah. 47 to 55. He won two championships, six-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro. He played split – they called it split end then and defensive end. He was a two-way player back then and was a great, great player. I, I'll tell you, we're seeing some good ones in the chat, like Pete Retzlaff and yes. Jason Peters. Yes, yes. You know, all deserve and – And I have Jason Peters on my list. Okay. You know, um, the fact that he was here from 2009 to 2020 – there was no better left tackle in the National Football League. Yeah. The man was a nine-time Pro Bowler. 
you know, uh, all pro. Uh, and the funny thing is he can, he was converted from a tight end when Buffalo got him, they converted him from tight end to an offensive tackle and his career took off from there. This is another guy you have to have hall of fame consideration because he was so consistent, so good for so many years. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying he's the first ballot hall of famer, but, but Jason Peters, you talk about a big man, my oh. goodness, to be as agile as he was, you know, we talk about how big, um, you know, how big J- Jordan Mailata is, but Jason Peters at 6'5 was easily 340. Yeah. And so nimble footed. And, you know, and, and you, you, you put in a day at the office when you went up against, against Jason Peters, you know, there's not many battles he lost when he was in the prime of his career. So Jason Peters definitely is one of the, the greatest Eagles that ever played. Yeah, the bodyguard. There is. There you go, the bodyguard. That's right. No doubt, man. He was when he was when he was right. Woo! Oh, look out. Uh, but yeah, there. Look, I think it, present day a guy. You know, other than Kelsey, Lane Johnson's going to be in consideration yeah. for this thing. You know, and there could be a lot of other guys depending on how much longer this their their careers go. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts. He's got a long way to go, but he's yeah. on a fast track. Um, you know, maybe Devontae Smith, maybe AJ Brown. I don't know. But these guys all should be in consideration. You could think about Seth Joyner. You could oh, think no about, question. yeah, no. I, I, you know, Tom what Jerome Brown, yeah, Jerome Brown would have been. Uh, yeah. Oh, Tom Brookshire, without a doubt. Mike Quick. Uh, Mike Quick. Quick, unfortunately, just cut a little bit short with injuries. But, yeah, but you know, tendonitis. yeah. Yeah. He, but he was a great, great player. Um, yeah. There's a lot of guys that you could make a case for. And that, look, that's the mark of a team that's had, you know, some pretty good players over the years. That's for yeah, sure. And, 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 you know, Forrest Hill, I'm going to give you some props because, you know what? You can put John Dornboss on that list. You look at how, look at his tenure in the National Football League. He was a machine. You know, and, and you're right. You know, John Dornboss. That position, a long snapper, never gets enough love. And people overlook how vital that is to the success of an offense, especially in the punting and the kicking game. Yeah. But John Dornboss was definitely a phenomenal eagle. And they kept him here for a long time because he was the best in the business at what he did. I agree. Okay. Most I, the best, yeah. To their credit, th- this Rick Lovato is pretty good too, man. Like yeah. he stepped in very nicely. You know, I don't want to jinx it, but when you, when you don't think about those guys, it's good. That means everything is smooth sailing with the snaps. You know? And, and Daz, you're right. John Runyon, he definitely deserves on the list. There's there's a ton of Trey, Trey and Runyon. What about Trent Cole? Isn't doesn't he lead all time sack leader yeah. for this team? Trent, I, we talked about this. Trent Cole's the most underrated eagle, maybe ever. And uh, and the fact that he God. never missed a game. Uh, yeah, I, I, right. That's the other part that, that's really impressive. And and I think Daz has a point. You know, the, the goat himself. Barrett Brooks, <laughs> the goat, the goat, our old buddy. Yeah, no, but that it's true. They're, they're Lovato. Yeah, and the Brian's right. The the tra- the this is the craziest thing about the yep. Dornbos story. Yep. If they don't trade him and he doesn't go through that physical, yep, they Not never good. detect the issue. <sighs> he probably dies on a football field or on a practice field or, or yep. running a conditioning yep. drill. Yep. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Wow, it really is. It's amazing oh. how timing is everything in life. Sometimes, man. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Mm. All right, uh, all right, let's get a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, that was we'll fun. That w- that was fun, and that's always uh, like to me. You know, it's cool doing those things because you get the chance to walk down memory lane a little bit. You remember some stuff that you maybe haven't thought about in a little while. And there's always like it's a great thing about any of these kind of list debates. Like there's always people you can make a case for. You know, like I see people throwing uh, shady or uh, Troy you know, Vincent. We talked about Troy Vincent, Westbrook, Deuce. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not that those guys aren't worthy, but there's just there's a lot to choose from. This team's been around since 1933. And see, from my perspective, a lot of these guys on this list from the, from yesteryear and up through today, I've gotten to know personally. Right. You know, when you talk about Deuce, Westbrook, Troy Vincent, I still talk to occasionally. You know, Bobby Taylor, I talk to occasionally. Trotter, we still talk to time to time. You know, Brandon Graham, I talk to all the time. Lane Johnson, I talk to all these guys, you know. It's nice to just put a personal signature. You know, Tommy McDonald, we got to know through for, through what we did. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Brookshire, we got to know in the early stages. Great guy. Yeah. Oh, God, what a good guy. Just, just, a, just great people, man. Yeah. Uh, Harold Carmichael, Mike Quick, you know, we still talk. We've had Quick on this show numerous times. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get him before the season starts up yeah. again. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Never, we'll never get Harold on the show because Harold doesn't like to talk. Harold's yeah. shy. He's yeah, shy. Harold, Harold's is one of the, the shyest, most humble guys you ever wanted to meet. But yeah, you know that what a great list to finish this thing off with. How about very cool too? I think people already know this, but Harold Dawkins and Lito Shepard all went to the same high school. Yes, Rains High School in Rains Jacksonville. High School in Jacksonville. Like, like yes. what are the odds that they all ended up as Eagles too? Right? I mean, it's it's just weird. Life's a it's a small world, man. All right. Yeah, I remember Fred. I went I went down to Rains High School and and did an interview with the the old coach and stuff like that. Yeah. I think you and I did that together, actually. Yeah. I think I was your field producer. Yeah. It was hot as heck, but it was oh, fun. Was it hot? Yeah. It was, and, and I th- I'm pretty sure Brian Dawkins funded the new field, and I think it's called Brian Dawkins yes. Field now. Yes. So, Absolutely. Yeah, take, Brian taking care of his uh, his hometown. Uh, all right. Let's get a timeout, Gunner, and uh, we'll, we'll keep things rolling uh, with the NFL talk. Well, we're going to dip into some NFL now because at 2.30, we'll have Scott Lauber uh, to talk some Phil. So we'll, we'll kind of close it out a little bit different than we normally do with some Phillies talk. But let's keep going uh, with the NFL stuff uh, when we return. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you right now about Pro Action Restoration. Yes, Pro Action Restoration. So let's just say we have bad rain and your house gets flooded. You're not really sure who to turn to. And it's late at night or it's, you know, two o'clock in the morning, whatever the case may be. Um, And you're saying to yourself, I can't handle this. You know, the shop vac and the wet vac aren't going to get it done. Well, guess what? You know, you reach out to, you reach out to ProAction Restoration because they're on call 24 hours, seven days a week. And they can handle water, fire, smoke, mold damage, you know, any of those things to your property. I, I went through it a few years back at my parents' house. It was a Saturday. I reached out to them. They stepped up and they got there and they fixed the problem and they were just great. Uh, and ProAction Restoration is licensed. They're licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company also. So again, if it's water, fire, smoke, mold radiation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or reach out online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProAction restoration.com
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles How we doing everybody? Thanks for hanging. That's the gun. I'm Rob Ellis. We are sports team. Let's smash that like button, Gunner. What do you think? Let's get on a run this time. Absolutely. That work for you? Uh, for sure. I see some of the, the, the there you go. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, Jacob Sports. We would appreciate it as always. You know, it's always a, a, a fun slash painful exercise. Like I see people doing it in the uh, in the chat. What's that? The, the, the sort of the ones that you missed out on, right? DK Metcalf because you took JJ Arthega Whiteside, Justin Jefferson. That's a way it's a way to torture yourself. I got to tell you, man, it. it it can be tough. Yeah, it can be we'll tough. We're getting JJ with the umbrella and his mom standing there as we're trying to interview him. Oh. And we're like, what in the world is this? What is happening? Yeah. In all the years I've covered this game, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't even – like, that was not a good sign, right? It's one of those deals, like, some guys – Barrett and I talk about it all the time. As soon as we saw Donnell Pumphrey, we were like, ugh, this is trouble. This is trouble, man. Um, oh, I wanted to pass this along for you, by the way. The Eagles have announced the Kelly Green alternate jerseys will be on sale in all the team pro shop stores uh, starting Monday, uh, this Monday at 9 a.m. So that'll be at Lincoln Financial Field, Cherry Hill, Lancaster. Gates open to fans at 8 a.m. at Lincoln Financial Field. So you can get your, uh, your Kelly Green on, so to speak. They're going to make a lot of money off that. Yes, sir, they are. Yes, will you, they are. Will, will you buy one? 
No, you know what? I don't um I wouldn't buy a jersey. Uh I, I don't I don't really wear jerseys anymore at this stage of my life. I, I but I would I get like a t shirt or something? Yeah, I would I would get a t shirt or something. Yeah. Get one for my son. I have never worn a jersey to any type of game I've gone to as a fan. Just a, not as a media member, but as a fan. Yeah. I've never worn a jersey to any type of game. I haven't since I was younger. I not since I was, you know, probably a teenager. Like I haven't worn a jersey in a while. Yeah. I see. The old Milwaukee Brewers, the Bucks, when they had, you know, when they had Kareem and even when they had Sidney Moncrief and all those guys, no. Right. Uh Packers game, no. I've never no, I've never worn and I have I have jerseys. Yeah. You know, I have a I have a five jersey in my in my closet. Yeah. Um and I have jerseys from other players. I've never worn them. They just sit there collect, collecting dust. Yeah, and and look, I'm not so M Reyes, don't don't take me wrong here. I'm not ripping people who do it. I'm I'm not saying it's just for for young people. I'm just saying I don't. And and by all means, like my dad wore his Tommy McDonald jersey, uh, you know, like yeah. when he was 70 something years old. I'm not that wasn't a knock or, or in any way, shape, or form. I, I just, it's just not me. Here's the problem for me, at least. I can't ever go to Eagle. I, the only capacity I can go to an Eagles game is as a media member. Yeah. Um, because I work uh, 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 that Sunday all the time. So I'm either at the game for the first half and then I leave and I go do the post game show. And I'm also yeah. doing stuff before the game. So I, it's not really an option for me. So uh, by all means, you know, go for it. I don't, Steve it's here. not a knock. Yeah. yeah. If that's what you like, hey, that's what you like. I'm just saying from a personal standpoint, Yeah. Uh, out of all the games I've been to, I've never worn any team's jersey. Just just did. When I, I'm trying to remember when I was a kid. So when I was a kid, I had um, I had Harold Carmichael and I had Wilbert Montgomery. Uh, I'm just thinking of Eagles. Um, you know, it was, it was hard to get like NBA. It was hard to get like the real authentic, like tank top that, that NBA players wear, you know what I mean? Yeah. Back then now you get everything. Um, Phillies. I love Manny trio. I had a Manny trio Jersey <laughs> and I probably seems obscure a little bit, but I had, uh, I had, a, I had a Schmidt. I had a Pete Rose flyers. I had a Bobby Clark when I was a kid. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I think they're the ones that I had when, when I was a kid, but I haven't, I, I think when I was a teenager, I had I loved Wes Hopkins. Uh, I loved I had Jerome Brown. I loved ninety nine. Yeah, it was it. I mean, that was it. I had, but it's been a long time. I my kids wear them. I, my my daughter, you know, went with the Phillies game the other day and wore a Phillies uniform. So she has a Bryce Harper. If there was ever a time I would have considered wearing like a a, a Wisconsin type jersey, let's see. Back in the early '80s, it was Harvey's Wallbanger, Harvey's Wallbangers. Oh, those you had, teams! You had Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, Jim Gantner, Ben Ogilvy, um, Ted Cecil Stanley, Cooper, Cecil Cooper. Then with the Bucks, you had Sidney Moncrief, Paul Pressey, Alton Lister, Marcus Johnson, Marcus Marcus Johnson. My, that was one of the biggest thrills for my wife. You know, he went to UCLA. Yes, yeah. I was a big Marcus Johnson fan um, when he was in college. Right, and when we moved to Milwaukee, Marcus Johnson was in his prime with the Bucks, and he be, he and I became big friends. So one day, you know, I told him where my wife was from, where I lived. Yeah, he came over to our apartment for dinner. My wife cooked him this great Mexican meal, and I think that's the oh, only is that right? That's cool. I think that's the only time she'd ever come close to being starstruck by anybody because, like I told you the story about, 
she had no idea who Scott Rowland was when Scott Rowland was. <laughs> she was singer. like, oh, is that one of your producers? <laughs> yeah. Oh, is he one? No. Trish, 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 okay, Trish, you definitely. But you said he had, he laughed, right? He, he laughed at all. And, you know, we just stood there and laughed about it. You know, and that was a running joke with Scott now when he was with the Phillies. But that was the only time I think she ever came close. He came to our apartment, dude, six, seven, came to our apartment, yeah. sat down with us, had a great Mexican meal, and then we just talked about everything that wasn't basketball. Right, exactly. Yeah, he was he was a large human being, Marcus Johnson, for sure. Uh, he you, you ever see a thing that he does every year? I I he's I forget how old he is now. I think he's like sixty seven yeah. or sixty eight. I forget. Sixties, yeah. So he does this thing once a year. He goes into his backyard. Yep. And he dunks to show everybody that he can still dunk. Yep. And he does it on his birthday every year. So if I I'll, if I I always I I think I follow him on on uh, X now or whatever the heck it's called. But uh, yeah, I'll see if I can. I'll see if he did it this year. I'll oh, see. William Stark, I see you got jokes. Wouldn't it have been Warren Spawn's day, D Gun? Oh, little shot. Little shot. Yeah. I like right. that. That's pretty witty. I like that. That was one. good. That was good. I like yeah. that. You like that. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, I have to get through that. I'm, I'm up to episode five. You're still I'm not on, done? I'm on five. I, I worked last night. I, I, today, I'll work. I'll watch a couple today. So I, by the by Monday I'll be done. But I think I only have like three more left. They, they only did eight, right? I think it's all there was. It's only eight total. Yeah, so I'll yeah. I'll get through it this weekend. All right. So a couple a couple other odds and ends. Still no word on Joe Burrow, which I, I don't know how to take it honestly. I, it feels like it, there should be some kind something at least coming out at some point. If I'm if I'm a Bengals fan, I wouldn't worry until they give you something to worry about. Calf strains are common. Yeah. You know, in, in a lot of ways, it's like a hamstring. You know, there's different degrees of strains. You know, um, hopefully, you know, it's not as bad as people think. You know, but when you get a calf hand strain, you're not walking off the field for something like that. You right. Know? So when you say, oh, my goodness, it's a cart, you know, it's, it's a precautionary measure. Yeah, you well, don't want to put any weight on that bad boy. No, because no. Then, then you start, you could maybe messing with the Achilles. Like, there's a lot of things that could could go sideways if you do that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, that's for sure. The fact well, that they caught it now and you know th th that it happened now instead of like a week of the first game of the season. Yeah. You know, you got plenty of time. And with modern technology and all the, you know, the ways that they massage that thing and treated ice and, 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 and all this, you know, electric stimulation and stuff, you know, until, like I said, if you're a Bengals fan, until they give the, the organization gives you reason for concern, there's no reason to be concerned right now. All right, the, I, I've seen a lot of shots. I know Kevin Durant was there today uh, at Commanders, but he's 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 from the Washington area. Yeah. But um, it they, they I show I saw this split screen between 2022 Commanders camp and 2023 Commanders camp in terms yeah. of attendance. Yeah, <laughs> there's like five people there in 2022, and yeah. this year it is packed. Like that's the thing. Washington's been a sleeping dog here. Yep. Yeah for 24 years, whatever Absolutely. that guy's known them. And this is why I said as much people wanted to dump on Josh Harris, he'll do a better job than Daniel Snyder did. And, it, you know, if you're the Eagles, this isn't good news that Josh Harris is taking this thing over. It's not. They're going to get back to prominence at some point. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. And if Sam Howell no. can't play, it's going to take him a little while. But they're going to come back. And that fan base is rabid. Like, they're – they, they're they're going to come back. I'm telling you, it's a much different, any kind of new blood there is good. Like they feel rejuvenated in Washington right now. And I've been saying it. I've been saying that ever since it was announced that it was being sold back in, back in the spring, it didn't make a difference who bought the team. 
the fan base just wanted to get rid of Daniel Snyder and everything that he has represented at that organization. Fans were angry, embarrassed by, by what this team was. For a team that has such rich tradition back in the days of the Hogs and all that stuff, the fans were disgusted. And, and I remember, you know, when it was Washington week leading up to the game, you know, there were so many fans you would see on social media. I'm not going in the game. I'm sick of this team. I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. You know, the stadium's a dump and it is, it is a dump, you know, and now Josh Harris is true to form. See, the first phase was to buy the team. Now it's to, to get it out from under what it was, that stadium, you know, FedEx field, get rid of that stadium, get a new stadium. You're right. The fans are going to come back. And I think the fact that Kevin Durant was there today may have something to do with that as well. People yeah. want to see Kevin Durant, but look, stars are coming out of the woodwork now. Right. There are star athletes that are from that area that mm-hmm. do want, want nothing to do with that team because of what they've heard about it. Now, no question. It's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And everybody, and even if, you know what, Rob, even if they don't have a winning season this year, the fan base will support this team. They'll still gripe if they don't win, but the fan base will support this team because they've gotten rid of the Darth Vader right. of the organization. That's it. It didn't matter who it was, Derek. It was it was going to, you know, just represent a new day. And that's all that the I don't blame them either. Like they should feel that way. I mean, they were they were under that that guy's wrath for far too long. Anyway, um, so most of the early injuries that we've seen, teams have dodged a bullet. Yeah. So uh, Jalen Ramsey, it's it's only a meniscus. ACL in, in full tact. Tact, yep. You're going to clean that up. He'll probably miss around two games, maybe three games. That's good. Uh, the other good thing is CJGJ, perfectly fine. Yep. No issues there whatsoever for him. So, you know, the two more guys that were carted off that it looked really, really bad, and it's not. So that that's good, man. All well, you- in, in Miami's case, luckily for them, they're very deep in the secondary. And as much as you could use a Jalen Ramsey in the back end, they're solid back there. They got a nice rotation of DBs back there, so they're so they're pretty good. Yeah, you know, for CJ GJ, you know, that's a that's a great side of relief for Detroit, um, because I do think he's going to have a good year. I know Eagle, a lot of Eagles fans, based on what he said recently, want to see him flop, but I do think he's going to have a good good year for Detroit. But you're right, all these stories that came out as breaking news stories so far, are so good uh, for a lot, of, especially and look at the primetime players, you know. Jalen Ramsey, Joe Burrow, CJ Gigi. I mean, this is not just players trying to make a roster. These are frontline players. Yeah. You know? Yeah. These are big boys. These are money guys, you know, yeah. the whole nine. Uh, you remember we talked about this, that they have this giant video board now at Gillette Stadium where the oh, Patriots yeah. play. Uh, it, it's 370 feet wide and 60 feet high. That That's big. Okay. It stretches across the north end zone, which had previously been wide open. You've been there. You know what that stadium's yeah. like. Yep. So Belichick, Bill Belichick said today that he wants his kickers to get plenty of practice inside the stadium to get a feel for how much the new board will change wind patterns. He anticipates it's gonna it could change a lot at that end. That's a good point. Yep. That's a very good point with a board that size because it's gonna reduce the wind hitting directly between the goalposts. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point. Smart, smarter Belichick's part. Yeah. Yeah, he said they were they did some work in in the spring with OTAs and the coaching he and the coaching staff noticed when those guys were working down at that end the kickers like yeah this is totally different here. So yeah. I, I really wonder like if it's going to be a situation where you, you almost like use it as strategy if you're at the end of a quarter 
let the quarter expire. We want to go kick down there or whatever. I, you know what I mean? I wonder how much that's going to play into it. That is, I guarantee you that comes into play. No question about it. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool, man. That is, that is pretty cool. Uh, so that I was I was wondering about that, you know, and, and looking at that, and that's that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, you know, in New England, in week one when the Eagles play there, uh, that's for sure. So Garoppolo off today, and that's part of the plan. As they ease him back in, he wasn't supposed to be out there. They're, they're going to take their good old-fashioned time. I think the other thing we're going to see, Derek, and it's not just the Eagles. You're going to see less and less star power get anywhere near the field in any kind of preseason games. Like You'll see them in the in the joint practices, but you're not going to see them in these games. At well, all. We, already, we already started seeing it a few years ago, Rob. Yep. Um, you know, frontline quarterbacks not playing. Mm-hmm. So, why would you put your frontline quarterback out there against a bunch of guys on the other side of the ball yep. who are trying to make a name for themselves and trying to make a roster? And they're going to do a little bit extra, which means they may take an extra shot. And you don't want to put your big-time money players in situations like that. Mm-hmm. They're already proven commodities. They don't have anything to prove except when the games count for real. Right. But when it comes to practice uh, practice games, I'm not putting them out there, especially if I don't have my frontline guys blocking for them. Right. That's the biggest problem. Like People are like, oh, you have to get so-and-so time. Is so and so going to be in there with Lane Johnson and George Malata? No, yeah, you can't. You can't take that risk, and, and nope. it's been that way for a while. All right, Dalvin Cook uh, was on Good Morning Football today, and you know he was asked about his meeting with the Jets, and um, he said that the Jets are right there at the top of the list of teams he'd like to play for. Um, Cooks added that the possibility is high that the visit could result in a contract with them. But he also did bring up Miami, which is where he's from, and he's also visited them too. And he said it would be a Cinderella story to return home um, to potentially play for them. So I, it feels like it's it's coming down to a two-horse race here. I think what it comes down to, him and his agent are playing one against the other. Yeah. Both, both teams want him desperately. Both teams know what he could do for their running game and their pass-catching game out of the backfield. Yep. I think if there's one play – that signifies what Dalvin Cook can, can do. Go back to that game last season when Minnesota was playing at home against the Colts, and the Colts went up like 33-0. That was crazy, that game, but yeah. And the Vikings make that comeback, and Kirk Cousins hits Dalvin Cook in a little swing pass, and he goes like 64 yards to the house. Mm-hmm. And anybody and everybody watching that, that game's going, man, we could use somebody like that in our backfield. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. now you have two teams in both Miami and the Jets. Oh, by the way, same division. Oh, by the way, both trying to catch Buffalo, who have got to be saying, if we add Dalvin Cook to what we – I mean, look what both teams have. You have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Wallow. You have Garrett Wilson. You have Aaron Rodgers. If we can add a Dalvin Cook to this, we have pretty good defenses. Both teams are pretty – both teams are very similar. They have great weapons, pretty good defenses. The big difference is you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback compared to a young guy, if he can stay on the field, could be a pretty good one. But when he's on the field, he causes problems for defense. Yeah. If we get a running back like a Dalvin Cook in our backfield, so I think he's basically playing one against the other to decide where he wants to go. Yeah, and keep in mind, the Jets, with Aaron Rodgers basically giving them back $33.7 million, which is you know pretty much what he did, that could allow them to close this thing. I mean, that, 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 it seems like that is the most realistic of, of the two. Not to say Miami's a long shot, right. but it feels like it's more more the Jets than Miami as far as I'm concerned. Well, that, that's what I said on this show yesterday when it was announced that Rodgers did that. I guarantee you it's to dangle a bigger carrot in front of Dalvin Cook to get, get him there. And sure enough, uh, 
he comes out and says today, well, there's a very good possibility I could be signing with the Jets. Mm-hmm. The Jets are not about to let him leave that facility. You know, if he leaves that facility, it's because Miami's made a counter offer. That's right. An offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that is, I, that's the one, you know, I, I don't, a lot with a lot of these running backs that are still out there, I get a sense that it may not be till right before the regular season, before they sign. It feels like Dalvin Cook might be earlier. I, I think I, next week we, we might hear this one come down. I think it's in Dalvin's best interest to get with a team soon as possible to learn learn the plays, audibles, all that stuff, to get familiar with his linemen, with his quarterback, uh, catching passes from his quarterback, how he likes to hand off. Every quarterback hands the ball off. You think you think a quarterback just sticks the ball out there and the running back takes it like this. There's a feel for it also. It sure you know, there is. That's involved. Yep. And you want to get that feel down to a sinus as well. I think Dalvin Cook is itching to go, and he wants to get back in the training camp right now also. The, the problem is, He's not in a training camp, not getting those first two weeks of rust off. Right. So whoever signs him has got to be real cautious with how much they let him go as soon as he gets in there. Yeah, like it would be one thing if he was holding out from the Vikings, a system that he knew. You know, the fact yeah. that he's, he's in a new system is, is you know, certainly plays into it and is going to be a challenge. All right, last one, and then we'll uh, we'll sneak it a timeout and we'll continue with the, uh, the NFL talk here. So uh, Matthew Judon, speaking of the uh, Patriots, uh, he is unhappy with his contract. And, and who, is, who is it nowadays? I know, I know. Um, but he's the, he's been limited in practice participation this week, and that's caught the attention, you know, of a lot of people wondering, you know, exactly what's going on. Uh, Bill Belichick said uh, the team has different players that are in different stages of preparation, and Judon just a matter of working his way up to uh, to full speed. But it's lead. It's led to a lot of speculation that he's not happy uh, coming off the year that he had. What do you have? He's supposed to twenty eight sacks since uh, signing that current contract, which you know put him in line for a bigger deal. But that hasn't always been the case in New England when guys have been unhappy with their contract. They've no. kind of just they played hardball with them. So we'll see. Well, you know, he finished tied for third in sacks last year in the NFL. Like you just said, twenty eight over the last two seasons. Matthew Judon is one of the best linebackers in the game today. Uh-huh. There's no question about it. You know, you don't you don't hear his name a lot, but I tell you what, I guarantee everybody knows who he is in the National Football League, and he's playing in one of the best defense. Matthew Judon is the heart and soul of that defense. In sure New is. There's yep. no question about it. Yep. Um, and you're right. You don't usually hear a lot of contract issues coming out of New England. Um, players that want contracts usually are gone. You know, like they got rid of Stephon Gilmore. Mm-hmm. People are like, you let still Stephon. You know, New England's one of these teams. They get to a certain point. And if you don't fit the bill in terms of how much they're going to pay you, they're not shy about letting you go. They don't care who you are, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, with Judon, I don't think they're going to let him go, considering what he means to them right now. Do, will they appease him? Mm, I don't know. They yeah. usually don't buckle with stuff like this. Yeah. All right. Let's get a timeout and let's come back. Among the other things, we'll, we'll we'll circle back to the Eagles and and some of the things we talked about a little bit earlier today. But Jim Irsay chimes in on his running backs comment in regards to Jonathan Taylor, Dak Prescott, he makes a guarantee Brock Purdy health update, Billy Turner. You may not be familiar with the name, but he returns fire on Sean Payton. Uh, We'll get into that. George Kittle says the window may be closing. Uh, We'll cover that. And more quarterbacks, Derek are turning down the quarterback 
docu-series. So we'll get into all those kind of things when we return. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you about Flynn Tree Services right now. Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. So ask yourself the question, do you have any issues with your trees in your yard or on your property? If you do, they're just a quick phone call away, and they're experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. Keep in mind, we got the you know storm season is, is right upon us now. You got some time to get your trees evaluated, get it done before the really heavy stuff hits. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. 
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. There he is, the gun, Rob Ellis, hanging out with you on this Friday. Yes. Have you noticed something? What is it? You haven't had to tell me all this week you're muted. You've been on a pretty good run. Like in general, I gotta say, I'm learning, man. I'm, I'm learning. learning. Like it hasn't just been this week. You, I would say, I would dare I say, the entire month of July, you've been on a run. I'm That's emotional, almost, right? It's almost four. I know. I'm I'm tearing up as we as we talk about this right now. You are you're on fire, D God. I like it. Um, <laughs> the summer, man. My brain falls out in the summer. That's it. That's right. That's right. You you are you are much more alert, man. You you are like summer's like uh I don't know uh some kind of drug for you, and it's a good thing. Um, all right, so we talked a little bit earlier. Uh, Sean Desai, just to circle back for the Eagles for, to, for a minute here, um, Sean Desai met with the media today before practice and emphasized the fact that he wanted to be much more physical uh, from a defensive standpoint. He also talked about um, a couple other things that he, that he really liked. Jordan Davis's shape uh, and the conditioning of Jordan Davis that he talked about, uh, you know, and, and – you know, putting his own little wrinkles on things and getting newer guys acclimated and all those kind of things. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. You know, you, when you have seven new faces in your starting lineup on the defensive side, you know, it's going to it's gonna take a little while. But I, I just feel like there's enough core players there that while it's going to take some time, that you'll get there. I mean, you, you have enough established players mixed with really good young talent that you'll be okay. I think they'll be fine on that side of the ball, but it's going to take a little while. You hope you you hope you're gonna get there. I mean, the the optimism is so high, you know, yeah. and that and that's why we try to. I always try to tell people, as excited as you are, just just just. But wait, Mister Taz almost got me. He said you're muted, D Gun. I had to look for a second. Had, Adam, he you know, got he did get you. It, you noticed I paused for a second. Good job, Mister Taz. I paused yeah. and I looked down. And said, no, I'm not. What? what? Oh, yeah, you, okay. got you. you got me, you got Taz. You. you got nice. me. Anyway, I always tell people, as excited as you are, as as as, as much of Rob Ellis as you become when yeah. it becomes training camps, pump the brakes a little bit because, you know, with football, football is the only sport where you go from this extreme high about training camp to where when it it's like a crash landing all of a sudden early in the season. You know, so I'm just saying, take gradual progression. It's like that airplane taking off every day. You know, when you get on an airplane, yeah. it's a gradual ascend. You know, just, 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 you know, strap yourself in. You know, enjoy the ride. You know, keep that optimism. You know, enjoy the moment, but don't get to the point where if it's not what you want to see, all of a sudden it's a crash landing. You know, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like we all go in knowing that this team was in a Super Bowl last year and 70 sacks last year and all those kind of things. I'm telling you, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, it's going to be a little bit of a slow start on the defense. It's going to take them a little while to get going here. And don't panic. Don't panic. They'll be okay. They will. I think the offense is going to do enough to keep them, you know, afloat here, especially in the early going. I mean, think about it, Rob. For the most seasons, a team that has mid-50 sacks is a team that usually leads the NFL in sacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, This team, 70 sacks, was phenomenal last year. And the next closest team was 55. And then the Dallas Cowboys tied for third best sacks in the league with 54. Yep. So mid 50s is an outstanding year. And I fully expect this defense to be in the mid 50s when it comes to quarterback sacks last year. Yep. And people might say, oh man, what a drop off from 70. 70. 70 sacks is a season is such a rarity 
You might not see that for another five or six years. Wasn't it the second highest total ever? Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, that uh, the, the depth that they had last year, I don't know that we'll see again. Honestly, I don't know. And, and Jay Jimmons says nine of those seconds. true. Nine of them came against Wentz. Yeah. How often do you see a team, any team get nine sacks in a game? Yeah, no, no it's true. Uh, um, they, but, I mean, look, I, I will say this. They were pretty consistent in terms of getting a quarterback, except for the, the Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that this defense has the potential, but it's just that it's not proven. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of players that are going to be asked to do things at the pro level that we haven't seen them do yet. And that's okay. I mean, every team has to go through it. it there's always going to be transition. So, but I think the, the, the confidence should lie in an offense. That's going to be really, really good. Um, as far as special teams go, I mean, your kicker's good. I, I can't tell you with any kind of certainty. They would, they did get better as the season went on when they called up, you know, the Christian Ellis's of the world and some of those guys. So I think that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at some of the Twitter Twitter noise. Oops, the X noise coming fast and furious. Yeah, I have to get off your points here. But uh, Sean Payton just, uh, you know, uh, had a comment saying uh, pertaining to his comments yesterday. Uh, I had one of my moments where I, I had on my I had my Fox hat on and not my coaching hat on. <laughs> it was a mistake by me. I said what I said, but I needed to have some restraint. Okay, interesting. So he understands. I mean, but Sean, you know what? This is not the first time, nor will it be the last time, Sean Payton is going to come out and say something that's going to become national conversation. Yeah, I mean, here's what I what I wonder about too, Derek. How the fact that he also went after his front office and the GM who's still there. I, I'm sure there was a conversation had regarding that too. Like, hey man, like you want to you want to shred Nathaniel Hackett? We don't necessarily love it, but okay. Don't be taking shots at us too. We're still here right. and we hired you. Right. I bet you that that took place. <laughs> That's uh, for sure. I don't disagree with you, but I also think they approach Sean Payton with kit gloves. Whatever they say to him, they say it in a much nicer way than they would to somebody else. I agree. Uh, I think Sean Payton has a certain carte blanche that other coaches around the league may not have in terms of I can say what I want to say. You know, security. I, you know, yeah. yeah. There's a certain security here because this team is so desperate to get back in prominence, prominence, especially with the roster they have right now. Yeah. They're willing to take a little bit more guff from a Sean Payton than they would somebody else. It's funny. He said he regretted it 40 minutes after he did the interview. Like uh, he knew he, knew he, he he's probably got in his car. Like, man, uh -oh. what, did, what did I just say? Uh, you know, we've all had those moments like, uh, probably not. Probably could have phrased that a little bit differently. Right. You know, kind of one of those deals, but uh, interesting. We'll see. Uh, look, I, I think the ultimate objective of it was, Derek, to to protect and show Russell Wilson that he had his back. I think that's ultimately what it was all about. And then I whatever think, happened after that happened. I think it was to deflect any any pressure off Russell. I think he, he went out of his way to be the shield between Russia, Russell and any potential criticism. There's enough out there. They know that the organization knows there's enough uh, pressure and criticism on Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. I think the fan base thinks we got, we got, we got the bum version of Russell, not that, that potential hall of fame version of Russell. Uh, so I think he, I think he, he, he basically wanted to be that shield, but yeah. he went to an extreme where it became a national conversation and elicited uh, responses from a certain element he was attacking. 
Yes. Uh, yes. So you, it, Billy Turner. Now you, you're, you're probably, you may not, he's not exactly a household name, um, but he's, he's been around a long time as an offensive lineman. Right. So he's had uh, a lot of experience with Nathaniel Hackett yep. over the years, as you know. So he was with the Broncos last year. He was with the Jets this year. He's an offensive line. All right. So uh, he took the Twitter after Turner, you know, after uh, Peyton blasted uh, Hackett. And he, he, he tweeted out or X'd out. Uh, seems like someone started training camp and is trying to soften the blow after realizing what he's in for. Bleeping Uh-oh. bum. Uh-oh. Adding hashtags childish and bounty gate. Uh-oh. referencing the scandal that got Peyton suspended for a full season when he was the head coach. Uh-oh. So, yeah, oh, yeah. He played for the Packers, for, uh, Hack, uh, Turner did, from 19 to 21 with Hackett, and he was with Hackett last year, and he's with Hackett now again. So th- this guy's clearly, they have a good relationship and didn't like what he was hearing, so he went after him a little bit there. <laughs> stuff is great. This stuff is great. It's this awesome. training camp stuff is, is awesome, man. Oh my God. That's awesome. All right. Uh, so beyond that, yeah, this, the NFL never, never, uh, disappoints, right. It never disappoints. All right. Uh, Dak Prescott guarantees Derek that he will not throw as many interceptions as he threw last year. Guaranteed it in writing. No, he guaranteed it though. Verbal. It tells me he'll throw it in the dirt or throw it out of bounds before, before he throws a pick. He had 15 last year. Yes. He had 15 last year. So, I mean, look, if he cuts it to 12, he's not lying. Do I think it's a possibility? Yeah, I do. I think it's a real possibility that he'll be able to do it, but you better now put a little more heat on yourself now. I know we all on the outside looking in want to see Dak and that Cowboys organization fail, but yep. I just think the Cowboys are going to be there right at the end. I just yeah. I just have this feeling. And, I think so, too. Again, I think they're good. I do, they're too. Really good you know, if yeah. they stay healthy like every other team that could be a legitimate playoff contender, if they stay healthy, Dallas is going to be a team to reckon with, yep. especially with some of the additions they have on this team. Yeah. Um, Dak, you know, Dak, Dak, is a, Dak is a quality quarterback. I would not put the elite tag on him because he has to show it. Like a Kirk Cousins, he has to show it in the next season. And all of it is not on him, but a good portion of it is, not being able to deliver the goods in bigger moments. Um I can't. I just can't wait to see it unfold, Rob. I can't wait to see what what it looks like. There's so many individual players and so many teams. I cannot wait to see what they look like and how they go through this journey this year, mm-hmm. dude. There's so. I can't say it enough, dude. It, a, the storylines are endless this season. I think more so than ever before because of the money that's been thrown out there. Players trading places. Big name players are coming off bum seasons. I. I just can't. I. It's it to me. It's like Christmas in September, October, November, uh, when, when this season comes up. Yep, I'm with you. I am with you. All right, Brock Purdy says his arm feels great. Uh, he's not seen any kind of setbacks or issues. Uh, you know, they're 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 doing the two on one off thing with him, but he feels great. He said he's able to rip it and do everything he needs to do right now. So he's he's on. All right, he's way ahead of schedule. Okay. I, I, it seems to me, you know, what we're seeing with him, what we're maybe, and I don't, I don't think he had exactly Tommy John, but what, what we saw with Harper, th- these guys are getting so good with these surgeries, the, you know, the, the, know, the technology man. and the advances we're making that these guys come back quicker than we thought. They really do, dude. Um, Bryce Harper, Brock Purdy, 
these are the type of injuries that normally sometimes took almost two years to recover from. Now yeah. we're talking months, you know. And I can't, I still can't get over the fact it was uh, Von Miller, uh, no, Terrell Suggs, who came back from an ACL tear like six months after he did it. Yeah. Now that's still a rarity because usually it takes a good eight months to a year for a player to get back even close to being on the playing field. He mm-hmm. did it in like six months. Yep. You know, and he started out slow, but man, did he gain speed and played the whole season after uh, he had that ACL tear. But you're right. Modern technology is a beautiful thing, man. Uh, yep. it, it's, and it gets better and better every year. Yep. It's amazing. Hey, just to pick up on the Peyton thing, he also said, I think the world of Robert Sala and I'll reach out at some point. He definitely got his wrist slapped a little. Somebody well, talked to yeah, him. Yeah, somebody got to him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, even even he is Sean Payton. Somebody got to him a little bit. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., after all the injuries he's had over the years, the ACL, of course, you know, being the big one, but he's had a bunch over the last, you know, three, four years. He said he's got no restrictions either. Said he's out there and he's moving great. And he said he's, you know, he's really feels like he's he's getting a chemistry going uh with Lamar Jackson and the and the pay and the um Ravens quarterbacks. Odell's had two two ACL tears, and I've been looking at, you know, we've seen video on social media of him working out on his own, and I've seen a few clips of him running routes in Giants training camp. Um, he looks good, you know. But I wonder to a certain point, you know, you always talk about you can't play the game of football with fear. But when you've had multiple injuries like that, especially AT, ACL tears, it's not just getting back to where you were as a player it's that mental concept of overcoming certain things as well when you plant your foot a certain way and you start to cut people players think about that they're human you know we, we put them on this pedestal of being these gladiators and rightfully so because they can do things that we can never even think of doing mm-hmm. and especially for long durations of time but also when their bodies break down like that they have to get to a point where in their lives because of human nature man is this going to work? And you think about that. And it takes a while before you get out there and start doing everything as naturally as you did it before. It's yeah. only a natural progression. You know, he's had multiple uh, severe knee injuries now. Um, and, and as good as modern technology is, when you have those things, you're always susceptible to having them again. Right. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing, especially now that he's in an offense, that Lamar Jackson said is going to stretch the field more. Okay. Let's yep. see how it works out. Yeah, yeah, and it will be. That's that's one of those where I just – and look, I know the Ravens realize they need to get him some help, right? But I, I – man, they, we'll see if he holds up. He's had a tough time holding up over the years. And he you – know, he was a guy who was, I think – I don't know how much more he's going to – you know, he's long for this game too, Derek. You know, he keeps having yeah. injuries like that. It could be it, you know, as far as uh, – as far as he goes, uh, it was one of those careers that started off, man, like fire. And then once he left the Giants, it was never the same. You know, it was never the same. Uh, these comments were interesting from uh, from George Kittle. He said he feels like the Niners window is beginning to close. Oh. I don't know. I don't. Do you think of them as an old team? I don't. No. I mean, like middle-aged, no. yeah. I mean, Kittle, I guess, would be considered – I don't even think – I don't consider him even middle-aged. Uh, I don't consider Bosa old. I know he's holding out. Purdy's no. young. Debo's young. I mean, McCaffrey maybe in terms of running backs. Ayuk is young. Debo's it was a weird, weird thing to say. Yeah. Um, uh, how old is Kittle? 
Kittle's not that old. I'm, be- I'm going to look it up now. I bet you 28, he's 28. 29, maybe? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. He's like 28 at max. Let me see what he is. So, uh, George Kittle, tight ends. Okay, Kittle is 29. Okay, that's not old. He's played six years. It's his mm. seventh year. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, Look, I, I think if you're them, yeah, you have a really high level of optimism. I agree. Especially with Purdy seeming like he's ahead of schedule. Like, I, I, I thought it was a weird thing to say. Yeah, I don't, I don't know his motivation behind that, you know. Um, the weirdness about the 49ers is for as talented a team as they are and for good as they are, for as good as they are and as deep as they are, they've, they've haven't had, they haven't had that marquee quarterback. You know, they've addressed every other position, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. You know, their middle linebacker is one of the best in the game. Good secondary, speed, you know, versatility. Uh, good strategy. But think about it. In recent years, they haven't had that big name quarterback. Yeah. You know, and the fact that they did what they did with three quarterbacks last year was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And now they're going back into this season again with untested, a, a really untested commodity at quarterback. They have everything they need to succeed except at one position. Yeah. And I think they did everything they could to get that position right when they traded up for Trey Lance. I think, yeah. and then they, you know, let's face it, I think they got an up-close-and-personal look and realized he wasn't ready. And, you know, to their credit, they did draft him, but they drafted him last. I think they kind of lucked into Purdy. And and what they've done smartly is they put him in a system that is very QB-friendly, too. Tone brings up a good point. Kittle has had a lot of injuries in recent years, so maybe he's talking about his own clock is ticking. You know, maybe could that's be. what he's talking about. You know? Yeah, it could be. Could be. Um, yeah. He's, yeah, he's been banged up. Yeah, that's true. He has. He has been banged up lately. And look, whether either way, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think they're going to be very, very good. Um, I've had another quarterback turn down the the QB series. Geno Smith has turned it down as well. So by my count, and I, I think I'm missing one. Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Tua Purdy, and and either it was either Bryce Young or, or Marcus. Uh, or, or CJ Stroud. It was either Bryce Young and CJ or CJ Stroud. I think it was, it was, it was like, Bryce Young. Yeah. So there's like five of them now uh, that haven't done it. And we, you, it's you and I were talking about this before the show. How much the three guys they had last year were all married. Yeah. Because stable, if stable. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is if you're doing the whole behind the scenes stuff where you're going to the house and all that, and you know, frankly, maybe a younger guy just doesn't want, you know, the camera seeing who he's dating or whatever, you know, I mean, right. And where they're crazy. hanging out at, where they're hanging yeah. out at night. Does it, you know, you, let's, yeah. Let's say on his off night, he wants to go out and, you know, have a drink or whatever. All of a sudden it's going to be, this guy's not working hard enough. He's, he's not, you know, why isn't he studying film 24 seven? Maybe they're avoiding that. I just think, oh, Justin Fields was the other one. Thanks, Tom. Justin uh, Fields, yeah. The, um, like, just knowing the personality of Jalen Hurts. I don't think he wants that intrusion. I don't think he wants think everybody to, to, yeah, everybody to see the method to 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 what he does. You know, what time he gets in there, what time he leaves, what he's doing, what he's working on. I, I, he's a very private guy, I'm sure, in his own personal life too. So I I kind of get it from that standpoint. You know, um, I, I think if a number of quarterbacks, you know, and, and some turned it down last year, but I think across the board if a number of other quarterbacks had been approached last year, they might've been more receptive to it because 
they didn't know exactly what it was going to entail. But I think after they saw how much behind the scenes stuff there is, as much as the games that they played, there are a lot of players that are just uncomfortable with windows, you know, with people peeking into the windows of their personal lives. For what you said, whether who is they're dating or what I said, where they go at night on their own time. Not saying they're doing anything shady, but that's their personal time. You know, their lives are so magnified as it is because they're high, you know, highly skilled professional athletes that they want to get behind the curtain sometimes and just be a regular person. And still being a regular person is difficult for them because of the money that they make and what they do. Right. And they don't need somebody peeking into their window every time they move. You know, I mean, you look at the lifestyle that we just watched, you know, how um, – you know, Patrick Mahomes and his wife interact and, and take care of the kids and his birthday party and things like that. And he was doing a photo shoot and he talked about, okay, that's enough. You know, I've had enough taking photos. Yeah. Um, you look at, look at um, Kirk Cousins. They showed you not only his life in Minnesota, but they took you inside of his home up in Michigan. Um, you look at Mark, look at, look at how quickly Marcus Mariota fades from the show. And I hope I'm not giving too much away. No, no. It's for people. Yeah. But look at how Marcus Mariota fades from the show once he's told that he's no longer the starter. Yeah. See, yep. you know, that's that's a little bit embarrassing for a guy. Yeah, sure it now, is. Sure is. Yeah. And, and some of these guys aren't uh, totally secure in their position. Like Jalen no, Hurts is, but no. some of them aren't, yeah. And, and, and you know, for, that's embarrassing. What is Marcus Mariota going to say behind that? You know, because yeah. I'm sure he had personal feelings about how it handled. You think he's going to open up? Yeah. And so even though he's with the Eagles now, do you think he's going to open up and trash, you know, on, on camera, no. a, a coach, no. a player who's in front of him, you know, teammates, whoever the case may be, you know, because then he's got to go back and apologize for that stuff. Players don't want that. And frankly, it, how does it benefit him if he takes shots at Atlanta out the door yes. getting another job somewhere else? Exactly. Would the yeah. Eagles maybe have said, we don't want to get involved in this guy with what he's just said. No, he yes. kept he's you know he kept his mouth shut and whatever and and yeah you keep you stay employed that way by by not being you know burning bridges. Frankly, I mean I don't want people to know what I say about you and Barrett and other people <laughs> away from from you know from the camera here. You people wouldn't believe what goes on. You know, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, man. Uh, that's funny, uh, but, but yeah, I mean I I they'll get somebody eventually, um, but. You know, I. it's not like it was in any way, shape, or form unflattering, but it's yeah. just a lot of access. See, I would like I, I would like to see a Baker Mayfield. I think he's a yes. colorful character. Yes. I would like to see a Geno Smith making a transformation from habitual backup to all of a sudden um, had the highest uh, per completion percentage in the league last year and how he handled the big contract, you mm -hmm. know, coming off that season uh, and what he thought about you know, proving people wrong. Um, let's see who else would I like to see. I, you know, here's weird. I would like to see Kyler Murray just to in, enhance or uh, what what our thoughts are about him. Yeah, either oh. either. We, oh, oh man, I feel differently about him now. Yeah. Or this is exactly what I thought he was. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to see if his image is any different when he's around people he's comfortable with, compared to the way he portrays himself or has been in, portrayed in front of the cameras. Mm -hmm. I would like to see that. You know, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. I'm, with I'm thinking you. who else would be of, of, of interest I'd like to see. Hmm. Uh. Do, 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 uh you know what? I'd be interested. Jordan Love in his first year following. Uh, there you Aaron go. Rogers, Jordan Love. Yes. Um, 
How about Derek Carr in his first year in New Orleans after so many years with the Raiders? That might be kind of interesting. Um, Stafford, how do you bounce back? Older guy. You get kind of a different view of that. I'd really like to see what okay. Doug and, and Trevor Lawrence are up to. I'd really like to Forrest, see that. Forrest Hill brings up a good one. I'd love to see Tua. You know? Yes. yes. Tua's already turned him down, but I'd love to see how he's battling back uh, from, from what he went through. I'd like to see that, yeah. too. All right. The, I thought these comments were interesting from Omar Khan. Omar Khan is the GM at, with the Steelers. Yeah. Regarding the, the disparity in pay for the running backs, he said, quote, you don't have to be a mathematician to figure it out. But when quarterback salaries start increasing at the rate that they're increasing, at some point it's going to have a residual effect somewhere on the roster. It kind of makes sense, right? He said every franchise is going to handle things differently. It's up to every franchise to decide how to build their roster. But eventually it's going to have an effect when the quarterback salaries are growing up, going up at such a high rate and where the cap is. I get it. There are ways to get around whatever cap number is, but there's a natural effect. So he's basically saying, you're paying so much and so much guaranteed money now to quarterbacks that somebody's going to take it in the end. I hear them. Here's my problem, though. The, the, if you look at the tag number, running backs have the third lowest tag number behind kickers and punters. Mm -hmm. for, for a guy who contributes as much as they do, it shouldn't be that low. It just shouldn't, even with the set quarterback salaries going up. Here's, here's, the way, here's my re response to that. Okay, why the running back position? Of all the positions on the field, why the running back position? Yeah. You know, you look at a number of teams and how much they utilize their running backs, both in the run game and the pass game, to open up certain so uh, certain other aspects of your offense. And you look at some of the running backs and the volumes of uh, touches they get in the season. Um, they're as much of a workhorse as anybody else on the football field. Mm -hmm. Why the running back position? What, 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 as a collective group, what made you guys decide that the running back is a position that you could basically put your foot on and control the numbers more so than linebacker, tight end, mm -hmm. safety. Okay. Why running back? When your numbers are only just above punters and kickers, and the running back has been so integral in overall play of football, I, I like to hear an answer to that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's, uh, why don't we do birthdays and movies now, Derek? Uh, prior to our Philly segment to close things out. That work for you? Sure. We'll do them now. All right. How about this? I'll give you a good on this date. On this date, July 28th, 1984. Can you guess? Can you guess what happened? On this date, 1984. No. Yes. All right. It was the opening ceremonies for the 84 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. Ah, okay. Opening ceremonies. Yeah. That was, uh, oh man. I mean, Carl Lewis stands out like, <laughs> Jackie Joyner, Kersey, Flo Joe. Um, oh God, there were wow. so many, so many. Uh, I mean, but we, we had, we had a, the U S had a very good summer Olympics that year. Uh, mm. Really, really good. Uh, all right. Birthdays. Let's start with, uh, you want to do them now? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Why not? All right. You know what? Let's get a timeout in. We'll do, we'll do the birthdays and the movies when we come back and we'll take that right into, uh, into our Phillies discussion with Scott Lauber. All right. We'll get a quickie in. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Right back.
you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Take on this Friday. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis. Uh, oh, man, and, and let, let's bring him without further ado, because our man hustled, hustled to make this happen today, and we do appreciate it. That is Scott Lauber, who does an awesome job covering the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can follow him at Scott Lauber. Scott, I know you went through some uh, – some plain hell today, correct? To, to get to that hotel room, my man. Uh, it, I've gone through a lot worse. Yeah, but uh, it was delayed, and uh, <clears throat> I even was able to get lunch. So um, not nearly as delayed as I thought it would be. Okay. So, uh, well, glad we to be appreciate here. it. Yeah, we 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 appreciate you making some accommodations. So thanks. Um, so let's hit a couple things. Uh, a couple things, Phillies wise. We are inching towards this trade deadline, Scott. August first is the uh, is the deadline. We've seen some movement. Uh, David Roberts gets traded from the uh, from the Mets to the Marlins. Uh, Lance Lynn ends up getting moved. Giolito gets moved to the Angels. They pulled Otani out of the if he was even really in the trade, you know, uh, stratosphere. What's your sense on how big a players the Phillies are going to be? Let's start there. So if you consider what they did last year, and if you think that that was being a big player, and I do, um, mm. I, I think they'll do some similar things. You know. I, I think they'll strengthen the roster um, in a few areas if they can. I think they'll try to make some moves that could have an impact, but I don't think you're going to go see them go get a star. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a star that really moves. I mean, I guess Giolito is a pretty good pitcher, um, uh, maybe even a top-of-the-rotation guy for some teams. Mm-hmm. You know, he moved, but, you know, Otani, as you said, is not going anywhere. I, I still don't think Juan Soto is going anywhere, not at this deadline, maybe in the offseason, but I don't think right now. Um, 
course, that could change between now and Tuesday. But my sense is that uh, if the Padres do things, it will be with expiring contracts like Blake Snell or Josh Hader. They would qualify as big names, not to the Phillies, I don't think. But, um, you know, so I think that they'll do some things on the edges, maybe even a little more than on the edges. But I don't think you're going to see a big blockbuster where a huge star comes over here. I think I think it's going to be more complimentary pieces. Okay. Uh, Scott, um, they, they gave Trey Turner a night off. And as we know, a lot of times when, when, when ball players are, are tail spinning mentally the way he has been, it's okay to give him a little extended time off. Would you lengthen the time off that you give him just to let him sit and, and think about things a little bit more to, to, to kind of regroup and refocus? I don't think so. I, I think their plan going into the week was to do this, to either sit him Wednesday or sit him Friday. Um, either way, give him two days off to yeah. kind of clear his head and get himself together. I mean, he started 100 of the first 101 games. He likes to play every day. Yeah. He feels like he's at his best when he's in there every day. Um, and Rob Thompson did say, you know, he's going to play his way out of this, mm. if anything. Like, if he's not going to get out of this by sitting. So I think the two days were what they intended. I think that's what it will be. Now, I'll be interested to see when the lineup uh, gets posted today, whether he's mm. batting second or not. Yep. Thompson seemed a little more wishy-washy about it on Wednesday than he did prior to that. Like, maybe he would drop him down. He mm. dropped him down for about a week earlier in the year. And when I say dropped him down, you know, he moved him from second to fourth. Right. Um, uh, you know, I think he batted fifth one day. Um, I'm curious to see if he's batting fifth or sixth or somewhere down there today i could see that possibly but no I, I think the plan was to get him two days and and maybe uh you know they didn't want to use him at all on wednesday they didn't yep. i mean that's why sosa batted in that spot and hit a big home run yep. um so i think they did what they wanted to do and and hopefully um you know what they're hoping is that um it has an effect that he comes out with a bit of a clearer mind today and uh, and has a big weekend Scott, I was you, you led me right into what I was going to ask you, not just about Turner, but any possibility of just top of the order shakeup generally. Uh, I, I know he's been very hesitant to, to move Schwarber uh, for a while now, and it's man, it's been a struggle. Uh, but will we, do, do you think we'll see any kind of shakeup up there in the least? At the in the leadoff spot, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, you know, I wrote a little bit about this today. Like everything about Bryson Stott screams leadoff guy. Yep. You know, I mean, he sees a lot of pitches. He uh, He's hitting 300. Uh, he's a tough at bat. Um, he really looks the part, except that when he's batted leadoff this year, he, he, he struggled a bit. Uh, and the fact that they win when Schwarber bats leadoff, it's sort of inexplicable. They're 30 and 20 this mm -hmm. year with Schwarber in the leadoff spot. I crunched the numbers over the last two years. It's, it's, uh, it's something like 90-something and 70-something. I mean, it's they win with, with mm -hmm. Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot. So, um, yeah, it kind of goes against everything you think you know about lineup construction that you'd bat Kyle Schwarber the way he's hitting right now in that leadoff spot. But I, I don't know if Rob Thompson is ready to mess with that just yet. How perplexing is it to you that the guys on the back end of this lineup, for the most part, have been carrying this team more so than the big money guys in the front end of the lineup? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And I guess that's maybe um, that's maybe something for the Phillies to feel encouraged about that, um, you know, arguably their best 
everyday players to this point have been Bryson Stott and Brandon Marsh, arguably, yeah. like, uh, I guess, Castellanos oh. until recently, you know, get yeah. thrown in there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's sort of been the young guys. It's kind of been the guys that are supposed to be the uh, the followers, not the leaders. And you would think you'd get in, you're going to get more home runs out of Harper in the second half. And you, you'd think you, you're going to get more out of Trey Turner in the second half because you can't possibly get less. So, yeah, I mean, I guess – I, I guess in a way um, that's something that they've got to feel good about. And, you know, I mean, like, I know it probably drives people insane. It drives me insane to hear him say it, but like yeah. how often does Rob Thompson talk about the back of the baseball card? Right. And yeah. I think that when you've got guys like Turner and Schwarber and Harper, and they've got the track record that they have over the last, what, eight to 10 years in most of their cases, 10 years in Harper's yeah. case, you know, you can really point to that baseball card and say, well, I mean, eventually it's going to turn. And maybe they don't end the year with the numbers that you're used to seeing them have. But and I feel like we said this about Castellanos last year and it never fully it never really happened. Right. If he has a good last two months, people aren't going to remember what happened the first four months. If Trey Turner has a good August and September, helps them make the playoffs, gets them going on a little bit of a run it's the his year is going to look a lot better at the end even if the numbers aren't there and i think some of that you know i've talked to people around the phillies who've said like trey turner's got to also sort of realize that right mm-hmm. like yeah like you're not gonna get guy. 320 just get hot at the right time right exactly like your yeah. numbers are not going to be your numbers at this point but there's a lot you can do to salvage your year and i kind of think from talking to him that he understands that but sort of understanding it and buying into it, like really getting it, getting it in your own mind are, are two different things. He seems to say the right thing. I don't know if he believes it. Do you, mm-hmm. Scott, do you believe, like I, I find it to be just sort of a, a really broad brush here that people paint with, but like the whole notion that, because it didn't really, in my opinion, affect Harper, but th- there's this get used to Philadelphia thing because Castellanos couldn't handle it last year either. Is there anything in your estimation that's real with that? No, I don't think it's a Philly thing. I do think that it may be a free agency thing for some guys. Because look around, like look at um, look at the other big four short, the other shortstops that were the big four, right? It's Turner, Xander Bogarts is not having a good year in San no. Diego. I covered that guy with the Red Sox, and he's way better than the way he's playing. Um, Carlos Correa not having a good year in Minnesota, and that's a place he went back to after uh, everything else was, fell apart. He, yeah, exactly. Um, but I do think that there is something to getting a huge contract, oftentimes in a new place. I mean, the one free agent who's having a really good year off of last, you know, off of was Aaron Judge before he got hurt, and he didn't go anywhere. He stayed with the Yankees, so um, stayed in the place that was comfortable to him, the place he knew where he became a star. So, um, you know, I do think that there is sort of a human element to signing a big contract, often in a new city, and and probably trying to do a little too much to justify that contract. I've never seen a free agent come to a new team and fit in more seamlessly in spring training than Trey Turner did. Like he knows Bryce Harper. He knows Kyle Schwarber. He knows Kevin Long. He was one of the boys like right away. He was, you know, knows JT Real Muto. Before they all went off to the World Baseball Classic, they were like golfing every day. It was like he was joking around with guys in the clubhouse like he'd been there for the last five years even though he was new to that room and new to a team that had just won the pennant. So he never, ever, to me, has looked uncomfortable. 
But I do believe that in the back of their mind and maybe in the front of their mind, they go out there on the field and they say, well, now I'm making $300 million. I have to justify that and be Superman. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was Superman for a week at the World Baseball Classic, which also probably didn't help him because it ratcheted up expectations. But, you know, I do think that there is something to that. I don't think it's a Philly thing. I think it's more a, you know, free agency and internal pressure kind of thing. Scott, across the board, man, when you look at the personnel they have on this roster, we all thought it would be a lot better in terms of W's more so than the L's at this stage. They're way beyond the halfway point, still have a lot of baseball to play. You ever think at this point we're going to see this team level it out and play like we thought they were capable of playing? Or are we going to have to take this roller coaster ride all the way to the finish line? I mean, I think you saw it for a good part of June and the beginning of July prior to the All-Star break. Now, they've stumbled out of the break a little bit here, um, you know, uh, with some series losses. But think about, like, how you felt about this team after that Tampa series, um, you know, based on the way they played for that month. So take, like, from, from that Washington series at the beginning of June to the Tampa series um, uh, in, uh, you know, July 4th, 5th, and 6th. They played great. And even now, I think they have the second best record in the National League since June 1st, I think, behind the Braves. So I do think to the level, um, but I do wonder uh, whether there's another gear and if we're going to see that gear uh, in the final two months. Um, You know, I still say I would be surprised if – if – you know, if they don't make the playoffs, I, I would be shocked actually if they don't make the playoffs. I think that they are certainly a, a, a wild card team, uh, but I do think that there is another gear that they can still hit that they haven't gotten to yet. Scott, do you think they would be comfortable um, if it ends up being Harper at first every day, Bohm at third, in some combination of Rojas and Pache uh, <clears throat> in in left, or, or do you think they're still very much in on a bat in left field with some pop. I've been trying to kind of get a, a gauge of that. And it's really hard. (laughs) It's really hard because I think they want to send out signals that they would be okay with that because they don't want to look like they're just chasing a a, a hitter here at the deadline. Um, I, so I think they're kind of playing it cool, but I do think they're looking at it. You know, sometimes to me, actions speak louder than words. And I look at Johan Rojas and I see a guy, who, you know, has had a good week. He had a couple of good games there against the Orioles, and then he doesn't play on Wednesday. Prior to the Orioles series, he hadn't played for a week. They're in this run of facing right-handed pitching. And I think that those actions, like not having him in the lineup um, against righties very often, except for those two games against the Orioles, is a sign that they just don't think he's going to hit righties yet. Um, He's still a work in progress offensively. It's looked pretty good to me since he's come up, but he hasn't played a whole lot. So if I'm reading their actions, um, it's sort of telling me that, no, I I think that, I think that they still want to go out and find a hitter to go out and play left field. Uh, Would they be okay with it? If, you know, if somehow they don't turn up that hitter that they want, I I guess. So I think that's a way to win games. I think it, you know, there is a path to winning games with loading up on defense out there in the outfield. And you hope that replacing Schwarber with a better defender uh, is going to win you some games, but I think that their their preference. This is my 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 sense, is that they still want to add a hitter out there. Okay, you're in the clubhouse clubhouse with these guys day in and day out. What what's Aaron Nola's demeanor like? I mean, this has not been the type of Aaron Nola season we all thought he would have. I mean, 
Can you get a true gauge on on his thought process? Um, you know, he's he's a pretty um, even tempered guy, and I'll tell you when you're when you're around him every day, and he's having a year like he had last year or in 2018, where he's a Cy Young finalist. Um, he's the same guy that he is when he's struggling a bit. This year reminds me a little bit of of 2019 for him, you know, because the home runs are up and the walk rates up a little bit. And, you know, he's, he's not just doesn't seem quite a sharp start, start to start uh, that he normally does in a good year. And in 2019, you know, I mean, I think that that was probably his weakest year out of this, this Mm. five or six year period. Um, And, and it was still decent, you know, for, for most pitchers. I think you're seeing that again, you know, you're seeing a guy who can be brilliant at times, you're seeing a guy who's struggling at times and that's not Nola. Nola when he's good is a pretty consistent guy. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't sense anything, but again, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think that probably, look, I've asked him this point blank, like, you know, you, you bet on yourself this year, right. You know um, you made a bet on yourself going into your, your walk year, you decided not to sign an extension. Um, you know, is that in your mind? And, you know, again, outwardly, he says, no, um, I'm not thinking about it, but like, how could you not be thinking about it? You're a human being. Right. So I think that, um, you know, just human nature would tell you that, yeah, it's probably something that he carries out there with him, whether he knows it or not, whether he thinks about it or not, it's gotta be in his head. Scott, you, you look at the wild card standings and excluding the Cubs who are actually playing very good baseball, um, of late, it's been kind of a struggle for everybody. Giants, Phillies, you know, Reds, uh, Marlins, certainly Diamondbacks. Nobody's really distinguishing themselves. Who do you see as the last team standing, so to speak? Um, in terms of like you, the wild card, like, like who's still going to be there in the race here? Do you think oh, it's going to be all those teams battling for the for the top or or for any of those three spots? I don't know. I. I don't think it's going to be all of them. Some will fall by the wayside. Some already are. Um, yeah. You know, I like kind of what the Marlins are doing here before the deadline. They seem like they're, yep. you know, kind of going for it. You know, they're trying yep. to strengthen their bullpen. That's been one area that's kind of let them down lately. Um, so I think they're doing kind of what they need to do to shore up some things to maybe keep the dam from leaking too much. Um you know, but I, I wonder about them. They won an awful lot of one-run games the first uh, half of the year, and that tends there tends to be some regression there. I don't know. I like I've seen the Giants play really well against the Phillies, um, and so they've, you know, they're a team that I think uh, might have a little bit of staying power, although they've stumbled lately as well. Um, you mentioned the Cubs. Like it's a weird situation because I like the way the Cubs are playing. I've looked at that team on paper and I've said this team should be better than it is. Um, if the Cubs were to say before Tuesday, like, no, nope, we're standing pat, we're going to go for it. I don't think I could really blame them Yeah, because I, I don't think that, I don't think they have to do a ton uh, to sneak into that wild, that, that, that wild card picture. They're almost already, they're really already there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what they do prior to Tuesday. Do they buy, do they sell, do they do some combination thereof? Um but yeah, I mean that's another reason why. Look, I feel good about the Phillies' chances of winning the wild card because I think the Phillies are the best team in that bunch uh, by a by a long shot. Um, and so some of it is the Phillies, and some of it is the competition. And I just I don't know. I, I I don't think. And I think look, I think even a team like the Padres, I think, are probably looking at this and going like, well, if we have a good month, right. the way some of these other teams are playing, 
why not us in that mm-hmm. third wild card spot? And, you know, I've written this before, but like, you know, if it turns out to be kind of a, a bit of a dud of a deadline or, or, a, or a lukewarm deadline, blame the Phillies from last year or blame the Braves from 2021 because teams look at those teams and go, hey, they got in and look at what they did when they got in. Like in the Phillies case, they clinched on the third to last day of the year with 87 wins and they went all the way to the World Series. In the Braves case, they were under 500 at the deadline in 21. They won their division and they went to, mm-hmm. and they won the World Series. So I yeah. think there are a lot of teams sitting there like the Cubs and maybe the Padres, and they're going, like, we, why not us? We could be that team. Hey, Scott, look at the, the Phillies' next stretch of games. I think 12 of the next 14 or 15 are against, you know, very subpar opponents. How pivotal is this stretch for this team in making a push up the pecking order? Really pivotal. Um, look at what they did last year, you know. There was a time last year, last summer, where they were playing really, really well, and I was kind of the cynic going, yeah, but who are they beating? You know, like, it seemed to me like they beat up on the Reds a lot last summer. Uh, they beat up on the Pirates a lot last summer. You know, they beat the teams that they were supposed to beat. And, you know, it's sort of damn if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you don't beat yep. those teams, we sit here and go, oh, you, you're not beating the teams you're supposed to beat. And then if mm-hmm. you do beat them, it's like, well, how good are you really? Because you haven't beaten anyone. So, right. uh, look, I think last year they made a lot of hay in the wild card race because they beat bad teams. And I think that'll happen again. I, I look at this series against the Pirates. Um, the next homestand, they get the Royals in there for some of that homestand. Um, these are teams that they should clean up on. So they did it last year. I think they'll do it this year, and I think they'll need to do it this year. Scott, keep up the good work, man. At Scott Lauber, and you can follow him, of course, Inquirer.com. He does an awesome job. He's in Pittsburgh right now covering this series for the uh, – Hey, hold on real quick. Where, where, where are you located, Scott? Where are you right now? Uh, what part, what part Pittsburgh. of Pittsburgh? No, what uh, part? Downtown. I'm downtown You're by down- the convention center. Yeah. Make sure you get, yeah, yeah. make sure you get the Pomani brothers. I lived there for ten years. Oh, so yeah. make sure you get Pomani oh, yeah. brothers. You Absolutely. Know. Every time I come here. And if you like barbecue, go to Wilson's barbecue. Uh, all right. Let me jot I'm gonna jot all this down. Wilson's as I get off of yes. Wilson's yes. for lunch tomorrow. I'll do it. I'll do yeah, it. Wilson's is on the north side. It burned down a few years ago, but the family rebuilt it. One of the best barbecue spots you'll go to. All right, I'll let you know. See, Scott, we got you, man. We, we, we're taking care right. of you. All right. Enjoy enjoy the weekend. Keep up the good work, Scott. Thanks for your time today. All right. Appreciate you, bro. You got it. Scott does a great job. Yeah. And he really did hustle for us. So we do appreciate that. Um, All right, Gunnar, let's do some birthdays and some movies uh, as we're up against it a little bit, as they say. Yeah. All right. We'll start with, uh, we'll start with birthdays. D'Amico Ryans, former Eagle, now coaching the Houston Texans, 39 years old. Happy birthday, D'Amico. Doug Collins. Doug Collins, a former Sixers coach and player, 72 years young today. Uh, born on this day, 1929, Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy. Yes. Uh, yes. Soldier Boy. How about that transition from Jacqueline yes, Kennedy to Soldier Boy? 33 years old. Um, Terry Fox. He was a guy who, pretty inspirational runner, came down with cancer. You remember he was running, he was Canadian. He yeah. was running and raising money uh, for cancer. Ended up, I think he died at 23 years old, but did a lot to raise awareness for, for cancer research and, and mm-hmm. ran throughout through, you know, the whole country just to, raise money Manu Ginobili 46 years old today uh John David Washington who was Denzel's son who's a very good actor in his own right is 39 today ballers uh, tenor, yeah great yeah movies. a lot yeah. of stuff uh Lori Lachlan the uh the the actress uh she was embroiled in that college you know scam yeah she's yeah. 59 years old Dana White the uh the guy who runs uh 
UFC. Uh, UFC. Yeah, yep. he's 54. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Hurley, or Barkley, excuse me, who was uh, in uh, Saved by the Bell and a lot of other some sketchy movies. She's Dude, how did you go from innocent role like Saved by the Bell to Showgirls and <laughs> Any Given Sunday? Did I, you see her in those roles? Yes. Yep. <laughs> All grown up. Wow. All right. Uh, Georgia Engel, the actress, she's been in Mary Tyler Moore show. She's for, she was born in 1948. Sally Struthers, who played uh, Gloria on All in the Family, is 76 today. Uh, unfortunately, we just lost him not all that long ago. Vita Blue uh, yeah. was born on this day, 1949. Zach Paris, Parise, the uh, NHL player, is 39 today. Dick Ebersol, one of the great uh, executives in, in yes. TV history. 76 years old. Marty Brenneman, longtime Reds broadcaster, 81 yep. years old today. That's all I got birthdays. You got any other ones? Uh, yeah, we got Adrian Bronner, who's a, who's a former champion in four different weight classes in boxing. He's 34 today. Uh, Peter Cullen, who's an v- incredible voice actor. He's the voice of the original Optimus Prime in the Transformer movies. Uh, he's done a title character in like Predator. Okay. Uh, he's 82 today. Uh, Jim Davis, the cartoonist who created Garfield, ah. is 78 today. Chris Samuel, uh, outstanding offensive tackle for Washington for 10 years, is uh, 46 today. Jeffrey Simmons, D-tackle for Tennessee, who just got that big four-year $94 million contract, 26 today. Okay. Uh, the, the legendary voice Rudy Valley was born on this day in 1901. Yep. Greg Hardy, who could have been a great NFL player, do you know, dude has 40 sacks in six years. He's out of football now. He's playing in one of those like lower leagues. Uh, he's 35 today. Yep. And, uh, Richard Wright, who was a founding member of Pink Floyd. Okay. Born on this day in 1943. All right. Let's go movies. Uh, Animal House, 1978. Classic. Came out. Classic. Uh, Officer and a Gentleman, 1982. Uh, came out on this day. Robin Hood Men in Tights, 1993, which is a parody. Uh, there wasn't a lot to choose from. That's all I have right now. What else? Uh, the Haunted Mansion, which is a, a Disney movie, came out in 23. Came out uh, today, as a matter of fact. The old Alice in Wonderland movie came out in 1951. And a movie that's entertaining called Deep Blue Sea came out in 1999. Okay. All right. That's it. That is it. We are done for the week, but we'll be back on Monday. Same time, same channel. Want to thank Tone to Shields. Uh, thank you, Tone, producing the program. Uh, thanks. Uh, very entertaining. Uh, good comments during the Eagles, especially during the Eagles stuff uh, from the chat. But good job out of, out of you guys, as always. Thanks to everybody streaming, everybody listening. All right, so don't go anywhere. You have Dan Cilio and the National Football Show coming your way next. And like I said, Derek and I are back on Monday, same time, three hours of power. Gunner, have a great weekend, my friend. You're the same, bro. All right, everybody, stay safe, and we will talk to you on Monday. That'll do it for Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis and Sports Take. We'll see you guys Monday. Thanks.